the frying pan. And into the fire, run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast that's been at the gaffer's homebrew a bit more than normal of late. How's it going, Dan? You're right. Not bad at all, thank you. Not bad. All things considered, yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. So uh, the the astute of you will probably realise that I, I just introduced Dan there. Sam's not with us for the start of the show. He should be joining us later on for our, our main segment. So... Um, as usual, let me tell you what we've got coming up on this episode 11 of Out of the Frying Pan. Um, we're going to do our many meetings catch up. So Dan and I are going to sort of chat about what we've been up to since we last recorded. And for the main segment today, we're actually going to talk about battle companies, um, something we haven't originally planned to do for quite a while yet. But uh, in these lockdown times, we've been looking at um, different things that we can do kind of on the smaller scale, um, maybe even find a, try and find a way for the, the, the three of us to play this a little bit. Um, online or something using webcam setup or something that might never happen but uh, we are definitely going to start our battle companies and um, Sam loves his role-playing stuff so Sam will probably have full histories and um, accents and uh, backgrounds for them Um, Dan and I may do Um, we'll definitely enjoy modeling and painting them that's for sure so uh, even if it only becomes a kind of a, a small kind of side miniatures project it'd be a good thing to start um, and maybe we've got them ready for when we meet up later in the year we can do some evening games and stuff for them as well but so we're going to we're going to talk about battle companies so our initial thoughts of it and um and which uh, which companies we're going to be running and what our plans for um and, and that's really going to be it oh well i say that's going to be it we're going to be starting our new segment on this show so after the the main segment we're going to be um having the first heroic death match anyway i am rambling we'll go for a quick break now and then we'll come back and talk at many meetings incom gaming the new center for tabletop wargaming in gloucestershire visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from GameMats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk Income Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. Hello again. So here we are for many meetings where uh, Dan and I catch up and talk about what we've been up to for the uh, last couple of weeks, I think. Um, we may have already done this and we may have had an issue. <laughs> 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 I've got wine now. I had, I had a cup of tea the first time around. How about you? How are you anyway? You read, have you, you, uh, you've still got tea or have you gone to something stronger now? Well, I started with gin and I'm on tea now, so I've gone the other way. <laughs> gone the other way. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't have any issues this time around because we've just spent, what, 40 minutes doing a lovely catch-up chat um, talking about what we've been up to. Um, I'm now in charge of Baby Monitor as well, so no doubt we'll 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 crack on and have a fantastic conversation only to be interrupted by my youngest. But we'll we'll see how it goes. So, so Dan, what have you been up to since we uh, last recorded? Uh, well, uh, again, time stamping it, we are still in the midst of the uh, lockdown within the UK for COVID nineteen. So, uh, 
yeah, I've not exactly been about gallivanting. Um, sort of got uh, sort of, sort of decks clean, so so to speak, for uh, all the podcasts I listen to. So um, aside from our compatriots at Entmoot uh, and um, Green Dragon, I've been listening to Adam Buxton just put out his uh, Rumshering and Nathan. If you're not, you know, as a non-hobby thing to listen to, really funny, well worth a listen. Yeah, I love it. Um, you, you got me onto that, and I love it. I love listening to that episode last week as well. Yeah, really, really funny, and I, I, I quite like Ramesh as well. And uh, there's some really interesting things they talk about on that, so that's worth a go. Uh, as I said, uh, listen to the latest sent moot. So start off with uh, well done on uh, guessing riddles in the dark there, Sue. Um, <laughs> I do keep on thinking I should uh, email him for that one and. Um, the amount of times I've been listening on the way to work or whatever, obviously not at the moment, but um, and I think, yeah, yeah, I know what that one is, and, and I think, oh, I'll email when I get into work, and I never do, so I'm going to make a concerted effort to uh, to get that done. Um, really, really good fun listening to that. It's obviously a bit difficult for Harry at the moment, um, as he touches on in his episode, that because he goes out and goes to tournaments, and a lot of his uh, you know, content is based on going to events so building armies having interviews with people talking about the games he's been playing talking about future things coming up um nice little segue actually uh, obviously he's doing his event in october mm-hmm. in lincoln um, that looks really interesting he um went through some of the details of that um obviously there's the flotsam and jetsam event and numerous other events i'd imagine are going to get shunted into the back end of this year so i'm not sure if i can make that yet um i'd like to we'll see how time and money but i don't want to make any promises at the moment um i'd really love to go i like the the i like that the, you're losing your um your main hero for the second day and you've got to like pick your your captain or your lieutenant your second in charge and they've got to be they've got to put a lead your army for the second day and you make up the points that you had for your, your big hero up so i really like the sound of it but it's like you just alluded to really it's the week after the rearranged flots and jets and dates so it's it's just not going to happen for me. I think my wife works weekends, or so works Saturdays, and so three out of four Saturdays she'll be working. So she'll be having a Saturday off to, so I can run Flotsam and Jetsam. So the chances of me getting a, a second Saturday in a row off is almost a non-starter, to be honest with you. But um, it's a shame because I'd really love to have gone over to that one. Would have been right up my alley, I think. It was something a little bit different. Yeah, I might have to push it for me, but I'll, I'm still determined that we're going to do it. Peterborough Masher, but at some point, obviously, the current events have <laughs> scuppered the initial plans. We were supposed to have, obviously, the, the, the initial event for Flotsam and Jetsam last month. Yeah. And then sometime during all this month, the next month, etc., we were supposed to have organised this um, Lincoln smash up so they come over and show us how it's done. Yeah. That's. Another casualty. Yeah, so many casualties of it, aren't, aren't there, really? Um, everything but hobby, everything but sitting at your desk and catching up on hobby, all the rest of it, all the things you're doing the hobby for have all, all been affected. I think I um, just wanted to, before we move on, I just wanted to think about, um, we were talking about him doing his show and the way he did it. I really liked it as well. I really liked the way he kind of picked sort of randomised games from his previous episodes and, and sort of went back and, and, and reviewed them again. It was really, really good. I'm interested to know what he what he plans on doing for maybe the next episode or, or two before we all get back to gaming again. Um, I imagine it might get to the stage where people are able to meet up for games again, but whether they'll be able to meet up in the groups big enough, you know, whether the groups of, of, of gathering in a in a gaming store or something like that to actually play at an event might be restricted for a bit longer. 
Um, mm. So it'll be, um, hopefully that he will, if he can't get to events, hopefully when we're allowed to kind of go around each other's houses, essentially again, that hopefully there are people closer to him that he'll be able to at least game with and, and do what he does when he describes his list for the game, etc. And at least still produce content because it's um, be a shame not to have it's a missing end moat as it was and it would have like I mentioned before when he was on it's I don't get to go to all these different events at a time in my life where it's hard for me to kind of go to an event a month or even more like a lot of people do so the people that are on the event scene and do these different things because because Harry does that it's my kind of way of living vicariously through other people's gaming um, so I, I definitely miss it anyway sorry I was interrupting you there but I just wanted to no no it's all worth touching on because it is a it is a different that he's uh, obviously robbed of his primary uh, sort of you know source of content. Um, doing a sort of best of, I thought was quite interesting, and it was it'd been long enough for a few of those. It was still, you know, you think, oh yeah, yeah. I kind of remember it, but I don't. And you listen through, it and it was it was interesting, and it was uh, it was good fun. Um, I mean, some people I've, I've spoken to recently have said they're listening to a lot less in the way of podcasts. Um, uh, some people are listening to more, I suppose. I mean, I'm catching up, which is a really good thing. But for a lot of people, because they're not commuting, they're not, you know, sitting at the desk working or whatever, they're not listening to as many. Yeah, so, um, I think I'm probably listening to about the same, but there seems to be a lot more content. I, I, again, I might have mentioned this on the last show, but I listen to a lot of cricket podcasts and Sky Sports Cricket are probably putting out two or three a week at the moment, whereas you might get one every fortnight or something like that so there seems to be a lot more content out there which is great but i'm struggling to get through them all so they seem to be piling up in my um in my kind of it's not really inbox but you know, piling up in my feed on my iphone so um even i'm getting behind and then I, i've um been watching the battle streams in middle earth so i've been watching steve and, and damien and i didn't watch them live so i've caught up on three and they're all like four and a half hours long so <laughs> you know there's like 12 to 15 hours worth of video there so that takes quite a lot of my um podcast listening time out of my out of my time as well but anyway sorry back to you rather no, than no no so it's always it's it's all valid for what we're doing to get us by at the moment um, mm. and you can't watch tiger king forever i have well, i have joined the, the <laughs> phenomenon i have watched all of that i even went and uh watched the louis theroux that was you know oh, i haven't, I haven't watched it. that one yet and they, they've just they just dropped a new um tiger king thing this weekend i think it's a recap or yeah. something i haven't watched it yeah. yet. yeah it's during covid so it's oh, like okay. it's like webcam it's weird um oh. i watched it back to back so I, I didn't get around to it any of it till after that had been dropped, so I just watched the whole thing through in the course of two days and just went bloody hell. It's, it's worth watching just so you can understand all the Carol Baskin memes around, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, she definitely did it. She but definitely did it. When I when I first saw the, I think I told you, told you this, the first, I was on Twitter and I saw the news report links shared about the uh, the tigers in one of the New York um, the zoos that are contracted COVID and the first comment underneath it it was um, Carol Baskin. I won't say the uh, the word that was in the middle there, but not on our uh, PG thirteen show. But and it just well, it made me laugh. Um, but you, unless you've unless you've watched it, you won't get it at all. It's proper chewing gum for the eyes, dross. But it's entertaining. Yeah, it, and it's it, it worth is. it for just. It, it is quite bad. It is, and you can. You can watch it while doing something else. To be honest with you, it's, I watched it with with the wife, and we you know with the evening when we will have a glass of wine, and I was catching up on Facebook at the same time. You don't need to sit and kind of watch it, watch it if that makes sense. It's, it's easy, easy watching. 
Oh, you definitely need the brain in low gear for that one. Yeah. I think yeah, to be honest, I think it helps. Mm. It's not very highbrow. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, yeah, so um, whatever's getting us through. So, um, yeah, listen to, to Harry. I've listened to uh, our friends from Down Under. I listened to uh, the Green Dragon podcast. Yeah. Um, which has cost me money, or will <laughs> do, when Dan's Retrop opens again, um, because they covered Dog Order. Right. I've still got this one to go, actually. This might make my work rotation tomorrow, actually. Again. It's quite a long one, but it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, very much enjoyed it. Um I've always been quite interested in the idea of a dog order army. I just didn't see necessarily all the opportunities and all the options that were available. Really enjoyed the podcast. Really enjoyed them exploring the avenues that sort of uh, allies they can take, compositions, ways of play, um, even down to sort of um, playing against them. Yeah. Um, It was a very well-rounded episode. I mean, I know they've done it before, but they really nailed it this time around and it... Yeah, I'm going to pull the trigger on Dog Order, so it'll be an 11 model army, 1,000 points, why not? Um, yeah, I like it. I that, s- that's quite appealing, isn't it? To be able to sort of buy such a, a low model count on in one go, and, um, and you've got your and army back. nice models. They're wow, all really nice. Models. Um, obviously, the nine Dog Order ring race from Forge World, um, they're all stunning, beautiful models, as, as you'd expect. Um, the Necromancer still holds up. Yeah getting on a bit now but it still holds up as a, as a miniature and um as og slash bog slash <laughs> keeper of the dungeon whatever i love that model though yeah it's a great model um so all of them will be fun to paint they're all you know i mean you've got the nine ring race and the necromancer which would share a similar palette of you know paints and methods of painting but then you've got uh, the 11th model which is slightly different again because it's more organic yeah uh, it's got some actual skin tones for a start you're gonna do the bright um, colors like the feathers on him he's almost like, I, I, I think i've said this on the show before for some reason it just reminds me of the ultimate warrior so it's like uh... yes <laughs> i don't think so um i think it'll be a bit more dingy um as an aside i'm painting a, a pressure gang at the moment i no no more bright colors thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> grab as possible grab as possible so we, we we talked about this a little bit before but so what are your what are your plans for painting the the dog tour army because we obviously see a kind of a few kind of i wouldn't say standard but you see a lot of the underglow on yeah, the race don't you? the greens painting, so. most most common green sometimes a bit of blue sometimes red i've seen i've seen the three and the green looks great and um he would probably be without if i wasn't really giving it much thought if someone had commissioned me and said look can you do them and that's probably i i'm making massive assumptions here but i will say it anyway i'll assume that that most people who have them would want that kind of green underglow because they would see that as as the way they're depicted in the films most i'm not sure that is but i think that's you know that's the kind of the go-to color scheme for yeah, them it's, it's the black it's the true metals I see them. yeah i don't know i think i think it looks so good and so many people have done such a great job of it and it's really really kind of striking um and it by adding the green color it gives you a way of tackling what is black it can be hard to paint and make look good um or at least make it stand out it's very easy to do a really good job on black and then it not but not show up in photos and, and unless you really really get really close to a model the skill you put into painting it might not always be might not always be seen as well so adding color like that 
and you know i can see the way i would know already automatically how i'd paint them without even really thinking about it it's very i know i'd do my standard black kind of method and i know i knew how i'd use the airbrush to do the the underglow um it just it wouldn't take too much thought I'd, I'd, i've done that kind of scheme so many times i'd be like yeah i want to do it like this and that but so what would you what would you do what was your thoughts see for me i quite like them um, i mean the the problem with them is um the most iconic thing about them as they're presented in that particular um in the movies and especially the scene when uh Galadriel the White Council cast him out is they're never quite in focus it's almost poltergeist-esque they sort of shudder around the frame it's almost like you like you see in certain horror movie tropes where the ghouls or the beasties or whatever they they move ever so slightly out of sync with um reality yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and that's how they describe the demons in a lot of the sort of the 40k and uh, you know um, Horace Heresy sort of fiction is there they're never they're not in step with reality yeah which obviously you can't paint that that's ridiculous you can't there's no way of painting that <laughs> just paint them really badly and say they're blurry um. you could do that just, you know cover it in weathering powder it'd be fine um, so I I, I quite like the idea of taking an almost um, old and dusty kind of almost, you know. Yeah, touch the, I can see that. This is the second time we're having this conversation. So it's, yeah, sort of. So you know what I'm going to say so afterwards. Know yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I quite like the idea of going very rusty, very dusty. Um, like literally they've been raised from the tomb. It's almost as if someone's animated a suit of armour. Yeah. It's um, obviously, I've touched upon this before, my favourite sort of line that Gandalf has in the entire trilogy is, you know, the servant of evil, one of nine, and he just, you know, popped out of the blooming coffin or the sarcophagus and, and flown out the window or whatever they've done. I quite like the idea of that. Mm. So they're all old and dusty and mouldy and, you know, they're all cloths just haggard and full of grave dust and all that kind of stuff and all the armour's patinaed and yeah, just looking... Yeah, I do like the more you The more you talk about it, the, the more I like that, actually. Um, I could see, yeah. You never see them that way. I mean, I know it's really difficult, and I know it won't place particularly well sometimes for best painters because, by its nature, that scheme can end up not drawing the eye. And I've fallen foul of this in numerous occasions before, but I, I kind of like it because you don't see it. Yeah, I, I quite like it actually. The more you're talking about, I mean, it's making me think about other things. It's making me think about doing that kind of style for an Agmar army um, oh yeah absolutely so rather than the kind of glowing kind of wraith kind of things that actually make stuff almost like horror undead look to it and um, make the to make your orcs quite kind of gritty and scary as well and you've got you've got your big beasties as well so you could almost do it in a very horror style that would be really cool so yeah, I'd go basky for the for the orcs still more in very very dark tones with the red glowing eyes and that kind yeah, of stuff yeah that would that would be really cool so give, you just give me an idea for an Angmar army that I don't have any time to do so well, if anyone wants to commission me to do it then, then I'll, I can make time um, <laughs> uh, but anyway so I think that would be really cool and you should go for it um, I think we when we, we talked about this already I had an idea of something that different maybe a different way of approaching it i'm trying to think back to the the images from the film and it's a weird how the you kind of you accept the film you see it so often i'm trying to think of them now but you know there was some green glow there but maybe not such the green underglow that we kind of see but doing them that's completely, a very um minus morgul thing yes i've always is. seen that as a lord of the rings era yeah definitely that was how I was. It seems a slightly dull, duller, darker palette there, doesn't it? But I wondered whether 
you could um, do it completely in grayscale, including the armor. So you, um, so you do non-metallic cool. metal, and then you can kind of almost go grayer on the robes and things. It could look a bit cartoony, but if it did, it would be a very dark style cartoon, like your Sim City style thing. But um, you could still weather that a little bit as well, add a bit of powder and stuff, then to take away that cartoony element to bring it, you know, to make it a little bit more realistic and gritty. But but definitely do a grayscale. You don't have to. You can do grayscale without going cartoony, but grayscale could look really really good. Um, yeah, it's and it's a new skill, um, yeah. which again I've not really non-metal metallics is not something I've really ever tried and it's it's on the list um i know a few people are really good at it um i don't do it a lot we must be trying his hand at it and obviously he's um he did a really good job on his dawn with it obviously you've got the wizards you know uh, and uh, andy wardle um he does a course for it for a couple paint and that's something that's definitely on my list of things for the future Oh, definitely. See, I don't do it as much as I'd like to because most of my painting work is commission-based and I'm, most of it is army-based. And Without wanting to go too much into detail on how I work, it would cost a lot more to have your army painted in that way because it's all about time. So most people oh, don't go for, Most people don't go for that. They're not going to say, well, I want an army or non-metallic metal or when they do and then you t- give them a price for it, they kind of maybe change their mind a little bit. But um, So oh, I don't get to practice sure it as much as... Well, you say that, it can look really, really good. So um, I don't know if you've seen, um, um, I've been chatting to, I think it's Florin, um, Ron Kruger, I think his name's Florin, Flor- Florian or Florian, I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Um, he's done Iron Hills recently and they are in non-metallic metal. Um, and then his the characters are in- incredible. Um, the free hand he's done on the inside of the cloaks and banner work it's really really good but he's done it on his rank and file as well and it's it's more simplified on the rank and file but it's very very striking and I um, like when I first looked at it I thought it was true metallic because he's highlighted the way you would true metallic if you do so you and I when we do true metallic we may kind of do two or three highlights and you're doing like kind of edge sort of highlights with your metallics you can obviously just do metals wash dry brush kind of thing but if you're going to brush highlight your metallics so neat in the way you do um if you do that style but using gray grays effectively um grays and whites then you you get a, a, a kind of a non-metallic metal style so um i'll try and um, find this stuff and link it over to you later but um it's done, they're definitely really really nice made a really nice sure effect it's on worth them a go. yeah you'd have I, seen I it i'm sure in the groups anyway pop up in the last last few weeks but um yeah, he seems doing non-metallics for a, a shinier look. Seems yeah. to be easier to begin with, at least. So I think um, maybe for the future, but possibly not for these models. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. having a go at um, perhaps some of the Forge World Knights of Dol Amroth on foot on non-metallic. I think if I was going to stay, they've got very clean lines. And it's they have. For a beginner. I think it would be harder, be actually. I think it would be harder because I think you've got a lot flatter areas so that your mm. choice of light placement would become... You have to be a lot more precise with it and get it right. Whereas we've got the armor on the on, on the race; it's quite sharp edged and jaggedy, and it's it's not they're not large smooth plates. So you got it's a lot easier for you to to, to know where to put your your lighting. Um, so when it's and then there's less of it as well. So if I was going to do it for an army, I think they would be just from a practical point of view. You got nine of them. Um, they are fifty percent um, cloak. Um, 
and I think it would be a really good place to do it. But I'm not saying, you know, do what you do, your plan, do what you were going to do. But if I was going to going to have a crack at it and they for an army, a gaming army, that might be a good place to do it. But it'd be interesting to see what you come up with. I'm glad you're for the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you paint the army again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not necessarily going to take long, is it? No, not not, not and as we touched on before, um, again, uh, I'm going to caveat this. It's still a reasonable amount of money. Everyone's budgets are different, but yep. it's about 130 pound. Which, after you know, playing Heresy, where you're looking nearly a grand for an army of basically 3,000 points of Heresy is the standard amount as a thousand points of War of the Rings is a larger amount of standard. Yeah. So that's is. the top end. That's that's basically that's your throne of skulls is a thousand points. Right, right. Yeah. Is it not? Is it, that's, yeah, it is, it is. One world yeah. event series you paid a thousand points or three thousand points is Horus Heresy. Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. Is. Is. There's only been a couple so, of events that have at that kind of level. Um it's it's actually going to be an army you want to play at that points level. You're not going to want to kind of do it at 700 you'd be like oh what do i drop what do i take out so. well they they touch on that in, on the green dragon cast Ooh, actually, okay you know um so they actually talk about you know um where it's possible to really run it as a pure list and what the minimum amount you can read because obviously you pan out for the necromancer start he's 250 points yeah yep. so and you you know he can't stand alone um as much as you might want him to, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they go into a lot of stuff like that. And the, the benefit of this army, obviously, it's 11 models. It's relatively inexpensive. The, you know, the, the quality of the models, because the majority of its Forge World is fantastic, which is, it is, it bothers some people. It doesn't bother other. I am, I like nice models, you know. Yes. Well, bloody Iron Hills army, didn't I? So, um, yeah, it's, it's cheap in pounds to points. Um, if yeah. you compare it with boxes of 24 plastic Lord of the Rings miniatures that have been out for 15-odd years or so, then you can obviously get a lot more of those for, for your money. Um, and that's the difference between the quality of the, the sculpts and um, and what you're paying for with the Forge Wars stuff. It's boutique kind of stuff, isn't it? They, they, yeah. both, they both have their place. So, yeah, you're getting less physical models for your money, but you're also getting a very... We get a full point army for for a lot less either as well. So um, I think it's comparable. Yeah. And after slogging through those elves, which to be honest, some of the Lothlorien sculpts are showing their age a little bit. I, yeah. I really like would like to paint some of the the best stuff that Middle Earth's got to offer. Uh-huh. You get me? Yeah, I totally understand. Totally understand. It's really important. Obviously, I started with you know the army that I loved, um, and the army that I wanted, and the army where the sculpts were just daft. They, they everything in the Iron Hills range is just beautiful especially uh ballistas if you're listening there germany <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they've made a point about those blisters towards the uh the back end of that cast and uh yeah we will agree to disagree on that one brilliant <laughs> admittedly i've not used mine yet and they are probably a little bit too cheap but as you touch upon uh the iron hills chariot is incredibly expensive what it does and dane can't be everywhere so we need that ballista because the 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 goat riders are a little squishy Yes. Yeah. Well, six isn't. I've only used my blister. Yeah. I used uh, Throne of Skulls. I used it five times and I didn't always use it very well. So um, in more skilled hands, it would probably have been a lot more dangerous. Um, I think that's the same with everything, roll, though, isn't I, it? I, 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 I didn't roll very well with it either. I'm not, I don't like blaming dice for things because they dice average out, don't they? Um, but mm. um, I was getting those dice rolls in other, obviously, other areas of the game. But I definitely rolled a lot of ones. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Definitely get some woman. 
yes, that's so, another um, So obviously, I've been uh, filling my days with that. I've been painting. I've been painting a lot. I've done an awful lot of painting, more painting than I've done in ages. But not all of it's been Middle Earth, because to be fair, I don't actually have that many Middle Earth models to paint. Uh, I've run out, unfortunately, of some of the colours that I need. You can't get Valeo paint for a love of money at the moment. Yeah. In the UK, which is a pain. Um, and I, the remaining elves I do have need Valero Reds for, which I've run out of, because I painted the carapace on some Titans with the red. <laughs> so it's kind of my own fault, but either way, we are where we are. Um, so I've been painting lots of different bits and pieces. Um, I've been reading lots of books, catching up on old school um, Black Library, uh, Godric and Felix, for those who know it. Love it, um, love it. Catching up a lot of telly um, and movies, etc., including uh, interesting segue from our last uh, episode that we did on I rewatched the Hobbit trilogy, but not as you know it. So um, there has been something that's been talked about a couple of times. Uh, I've seen it the the issue of or the subject of the of the Hobbit trilogy come up it's called the Tolkien edit. Now an individual. Don't know who they are. They like, can't seem to find anywhere where it says who they are. Just they just say the Tolkien editor has edited the trilogy into one movie that um, sticks more in line with the contents of the book, The Hobbit. So I got hold of that. It's something you can download online. Uh, I don't know about the legalities of this kind of thing. So I think it's best we just say if you look up on Google, um, The Hobbit, the Tolkien edit. You'll be able to find it no problem and uh, get that downloaded, um, and you can watch it. Um, Quality-wise, it's above DVD, but not quite Blu-ray. So, and that's still at six gigabytes. So, don't be expecting the world from it. Um, I would <laughs> like to put this out there straight away. Um, this individual has put a lot of time and effort into this, so I am always appreciative of that level of uh, effort that anyone's going to go to. Fair play for putting it out into the world. Um, what follows, obviously, is my views on it. You know, uh, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but I'll go through some of the, the interesting differences. Um, so there isn't any filler. There isn't any context or um, uh, background added to anything. So it does start with Gandalf walking up to Bag End and uh, speaking to uh, Bilbo about having a good morning. Um, Which is cool, uh, that, that yeah. kind of... You know, reminiscent of the of the Hobbit book, isn't it? And that's what you yeah. Remember. Well, it's what you're going for. Um, so there are some uh, number of people missing. Uh, Tariel, apart from being in the background of some shots, doesn't feature. So the uh, sort of the love triangle thing going on with uh, Legolas, who also doesn't make an awful lot of appearances, um, and the, the um, dwarves doesn't exist. That also cuts out. Uh, the split um, of the, the company between Lake Town and the Mountain, although there's some... In- Obviously, the dwarves are missing in the shots on the mountain, uh, those who remain, and there is a scene where they do walk up to the entrance after Smaug's made his exit, uh-huh. which, again, interestingly cuts round to um, the fight between the dwarves and Smaug. There's none of the molten gold stuff, so uh, they have a bit of a ruck. Um, they call him some names... Um, they cut a reasonable amount of that out, and then he flies off and sets fire to Lake Town. Right. Um, so you know, fair enough. Um, 
as Og is almost entirely excised from the movie where possible. Obviously, because he wasn't present in the book, it was all Bog. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing he's not named. They would be careful to kind of leave the no. books out where he. Um, oh, no, he may have been once or twice. Um, but what happens is um, they, they cut out certain chunks of the book um, where they sort of the pursuit very much in the, uh, the unexpected journey. So after the troll section, they pretty much get straight to Rivendell. So that entire attack by the wilds across the plains and that that's gone. Um, they don't feature at all. Um, aside from the Goblin King mentions Azog when the dwarves are taken captive. Right. I see that, that couldn't be removed. So that's in there. Um, most of that fight sequence out of, um, Goblin town is removed. Um, Azog appears very briefly to tell them to chase the dwarves down after they escape. And then it runs straight into running to Bayon's house. So everything with the trees and the fire and the pine cones, that's all gone. That's a shame because that's... Yeah, I'm not dreaming of that. That's it. It's weird when you kind of interchange watching the films and reading the books and things so often recently that you forget which well, bit. Well, the, the but pine that, cones and that are in there is just again... Yeah, it's quite iconic, isn't it? So they've so, completely um, cut that bit out. I wonder whether they could have... You said Azul's in it a little bit. I wonder if they could have cut that scene in a way that the the wags and the orcs are there, but they're kind of cutting out some of the the, the dialogue with Azog because then it would yes. just look like they've chased them into the trees, so to speak. And, um, and the yeah, eagle. Bill by going John Rambo on him. Um, Obviously, I've not seen this, so maybe it makes sense to do that, but from the way you're describing it, it makes sense. A lot of the things you said seem pretty obvious, like, yeah, they're going to cut out Tawiel, aren't they? But that mm. bit seems strange. Obviously, you want to cut Azog out, but there's, there's still a lot of that scene that's would work and I, I i watched that scene quite a few times when i was editing the intro to our um to this podcast because the music the intro to this podcast is part from the film and part from the dvd audio because on the film after he says run it the music changes so i've cut it there and i've got the the kind of the 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 le- basically the music without the the film background and the sound the 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 sound of the fighting etc that drops out so i've used both so i remember watching it quite a few times to do it and there's quite a lot in that scene that you could you could have used to to you know to tell that part of the story which i believe is quite you know for me it's quite iconic anyway oh it's one of the uh sort of the scenes from the book so uh, that live with me um all, all up in the trees and uh-huh. throwing burning pine cones down yeah exactly exactly uh, yeah, but so yeah that cuts to that and then Azog doesn't actually make an appearance Ravenhill in what is Battle of Five Armies. So, um, which makes sense, but yeah, obviously, um, Legolas largely cut out, he doesn't have his fight in Lake Town. Um, speaking of cut out, um, any part to do with the Necromancer, the Mirkwood, yeah, it's as good as it is. If you're going to make if you're trying to make a Hobbit book film version, then that's obviously not going to be there because it's an appendices thing, isn't it? So, yeah, pretty much all of Radagast's gone. Um, Gandalf doesn't he basically disappears on the borders of Mirkwood and doesn't reappear until uh the survivors of Lake Tanner in Dale. Uh-huh. Which is it's true to it, but it's interesting. Um so yeah, um there's a bit of cropping in the Battle of Five Armies. I mean, most of the Battle of Five Armies in fairness gone. Yeah. Um, including removing all of the Dane section, which is, in my opinion is criminal. <laughs> never take him out. Um 
Bayorn <laughs> does kill Bolg with some interesting cropping and stuff, but it, it doesn't work very well, I'll be honest with you. But he does the best he can to make it fit. Um, yeah, it's... The way I probably look at it is it's possibly a slightly better adaptation of the source text, but yeah. a worse set of movies. Yeah, I can, I'm not surprised that it's it wouldn't be It's taken some of the good. heart out of it. Um, I get why he did it, uh, and I applaud him, or her even, for the effort expended and you know it wasn't the worst use of four and a bit hours of my time um i have to admit it came up and i wanted to watch it um for the sake of on the back of the last episode we did but it only been a couple of weeks since we'd I'd last watched the the trilogy yeah um but i thought no let's get this watched um but yeah, uh, I would still stand by watching the three movies as extended editions to get the most out of them. It's still the best way to watch those films. Yeah, if I you're going to, but totally if agree. you are interested, hit it up on Google for Tolkien Edit. So have a look. Tell us what you think. I think I will. I think I, I probably won't do it. I've watched the whole bit so many times recently. Jacob keeps keeps wanting unexpected journey on so. I wanted to. I'd want to watch it when I've not seen it for a couple of months or something, and and and, and I got time to sit and enjoy it. At the moment, I probably put it on when I was working or painting, and I think in order to see the differences, I'll need to watch it. Otherwise, it'll just feel like I've looked away in the bits that have been cut anyway. So, be interesting to have a have a look at it. But it was, yeah, it was. I'm, I'm glad you watched it because, like you said, it was quite poignant after the last show and what we were talking about, um, um, and how the film would go together. Obviously, they could have made a film like that, but you'd needed to. There's obviously scenes that would need to be added to to make sense, and you obviously can't do that when you're editing a film down that someone else has made. You can't uh, can't get actors to come and do some pickups for you. <laughs> no, uh, they they the bill might be quite high. Yeah, yeah. It's probably some legal issues. As just well, a couple, yeah, just it. a couple. <laughs> yeah, New Line can be a bit funny about things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it was it was a way to spend some time, and I thought it was interesting. Thing to look at, uh, given it had popped up a, a separate conversation off uh, Great British Hobby League on um, Facebook, and it came up in there. So cool, cool. Well, I'll definitely take a check. So, Steve, now I've finished boring everyone else to uh, death with what <laughs> I've been up to in the last couple of uh, weeks, which has largely been entirely devoid of Middle Earth. Uh, what have you been up to? Ooh, um, I've been thinking about this. I've, I've done quite a lot, but I also I'm not sure that it's as as interesting, if that makes sense. Where we you've we talked about what your your paint scheme for your new project is going to be, which is quite interesting. We talked about the the film as well, was extended from last time, but um, mine are a little bit more kind of this is what I've done, and there's not a lot of conversation built on from that. Um, I finished finally finished my office move, um, so I'm up in my top floor now in the bigger room. I do share it with my wife. She's got sort of one third of the the room, um, but it's a big long sort of big long double double sized room we've got all desks under windows which is really really nice and i've got all my stuff up over that all being crammed in so my desktop um finally went in i had to basically make my own in the end because the one i ordered couldn't get to me in the current um situation um but i've got a nice big it's sort of six foot one way and just over four foot the other so it's a big l-shaped desk which means i've got my computers and all up one end and all the paint stuff around the other side so um everything's in reach um 
I'm not. It's very it's not, cool. You shared some pictures. Yeah, um, I am very jealous. I might. What I might do in the next few days after the show's out, I'll um, might start a thread for people to post up pictures of their hobby spaces. And I know it's been done to death. A lot of people do it. I think um, one of the Heresy guys um, has recently done a picture of your like display cabinets, hasn't he? And then people followed yes. up with pictures of their hobby rooms. But we can do our own Warhammer, middle earth one. Yeah. Warhammer display cabinet, which is uh, yeah, Dan, he's done that. I've, I've popped mine on there. So if you're interested, pop it on. If not, post your own. Get it up on Instagram. Get some community going. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of our listeners won't won't be. You know, we've got a few of our listeners that cross got a feet in both sides of the the hobby divide there, so to speak. But I know a lot of our listeners are, are only Middle Earth um, players. They won't sort of may probably won't follow those people. So maybe we'll start our own on our um, mm. the middle earth based one um but um yeah so i've got that done just, I, I love being in when <laughs> i think i don't know about you but whenever i re- redecorate a room or you get a room sorted and it's nice to spend timing in it timing in it time in it so i'm enjoying being in here at the moment because it's um all nice and new and fresh and uh um, not too messy at the moment um, I get that. um well, what else have i done um finished the Moria table which I was doing for Flotsam and Jetsam so in that last week before it was postponed I'd um, nearly finished it and I would have easily finished it in time but I just kind of I don't know I didn't, it's not like I lost motivation as such but when the new event wasn't going ahead that weekend I, I didn't have to get it finished right away and had other things to do um, so it's been sitting there half done for a while just waiting for me to kind of do some basic airbrushing on it yeah. so priorities changed don't they yeah absolutely but it was annoying me that it was half done um, so I um, I basically cracked out the airbrush in about four hours and, and painted it all because it was only primed really, um, and it's a quick job. It's it's designed for for the event really. I mean it's part of my own collection. So I will crack it out occasionally for a game. It probably won't be out of the ten tables I've got. This is not me showing off about the ten tables I've got. That's probably not one that will get cracked out very often for games at home. Um, some of them are slightly better quality than others. But, um, um, it says to I'm, me you need a Kazadum army. That's what it says to me. You need to you know, do well, something else. So you need to, to well, he's got... It. It's, yeah, well, if I... I might, I'm more likely to use it for that, you know, you know, for a scenario play than I am for just picking it up and, and using it for a game. But, um, but I've got, I use some toys, and I can't remember the brand of the toys. Um, I think it might be the same company that did the Big Helms Deep model uh, toy I've got as well. But I basically picked up a couple of um, Bridge of Dums there, and you get this like massive um, Balrog, which I don't have. I've given that to to Jacob. Um, and I've got uh, you get like the archways coming out of and then you get the bridge um, and I've kind of used two of them so one side is like the bridge I've left it as normal um, the other side I've kind of turned the bridge upside down and made the steps going down so that you can kind of there's a big bit of blue XPS foam in the middle as well with like a cutaway through so it'll take up quite a lot of the board so if you want to not walk all the way around this big block you have to kind of go up the steps and go through the through the gap and out onto the bridge so to speak so it's probably a real bitch to play on for certain scenarios um but oh well fair enough it'd be a bit fun um yeah and just built some used some rock for other bits of it and did some like patches of what looked like um lava in the ground so you'd have to walk around it so it's impassable so it just makes people think a little bit more when they're playing um and on the mat i've got for it, it should look quite effective um i think, no, what, I think it looks great yeah i think what i'm going to do is um so I've got those 10 tables. I think when I get some spare time in a couple of weeks, I'm going to crack out the tables one by one, take some pictures and maybe do a quick little video around them. And I will we'll, uh, 
I will share that so people can see the tables set up because I know they, I've shared the pictures of all the train I've done, kind of photographed in the back with a backdrop, um, like I do with models, but I've not taken pictures of any of them set up properly. So I might do is set them up how I'd like them, share some pictures. Um, Dan's, Dan's been arrested by the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I live on a main road, unfortunately, and it's a bit busier than. Uh... <laughs> People should be inside. Um, well, not them. They're allowed out. They're <laughs> well, <definitely> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I should. I'll do some pictures, and I might even like do a top down so so I've got a reference so I can stick on the box, so that when I go to an event, if I've got people helping me set up, they can just look at the picture and set it up as it's supposed to be, so to speak. Not that I'm a control freak or anything like that, but um, um, give me something to do one evening. <sighs> what else? Helms Deep. So we've talked we've talked about it a lot. Talked about the plans for this year is is to paint um, my Helms Deep Defenders Force and um, some Urux as well, and to build a big Helms Deep model for a hopefully a big game we'll all get together later in the year when we're allowed to again. Um, and then the the toy I bought for Helms Deep has been sitting in a box for ages. And I thought right, that's just it's not going to do itself, is it? I might as well build it first. And if I get the Helms Deep model built, I think that'll give them a real um, real drive to get the Defenders painted. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I bought loads of XPS foam and I, I made a start on it. I had three of the sets of the toy, which I shared before. So if you've, you're listening to this for the first time, if you go back to our social media and scroll back a bit, you'll see the toy pictures of the toy. Um, it's really well scaled um, compared to the, the GW one, which is probably a bit on the small side. So it's pretty well scaled. I mean, I've not measured it. I'm not going um, <laughs> to. I don't. I don't want to engage in conversations with people about. I think you've uh, found that the uh, it would be two foot higher based on this. It's you know it's close enough by eye, um, and I've sort of started to glue it down onto a board um, and build up foam around it. Um, because it's a toy, it's sort of hollow backed. It was open backed as well, so I'm cutting out XPS foam into big blocks about the same size as the blocks on the model to build up a brick wall at the back and that's essentially what I've done is, is use PVA and, and foam and rebuild the walls at the back to fill it all in um, and I've just taken a delivery today actually of um, some thinner foam to kind of complete the walkways and to clad it clad all the gaps in the areas and fill it all out and then it will be expanding foam to kind of fill in the gaps and the rock around it and uh, it will fit nicely kind of on the corner of a board and I've actually got a back behind it a bit like I did for my um, um, display board for Throne of Skulls so I've actually used a, a foam back and I'm going to paint the back images on rather than make them into a model so you've got some, you've got a lot of the statues haven't you in the back of Helm's Deep you've got like yeah. the, the two statues and in the background you can see like arches The where, we, where, yeah. you, where you get to the arches I'm going to paint that bit in. You get the statues as part of the model, but it's the toy, but it's the wrong way around. But because I have multiple kits, I've got a bit that I've turned around the right way, if that makes sense. I'm moving my hands as I do this. It's just pointless for my podcast. Um, turned it around the uh, the other way and uh, and kind of laid it out as close as I could to the proper layout. Well, the proper layout, the layout in the film. And I've used some extra wall sections to build the inner wall as well. Again, just anything that cuts down the amount of foam or scratch building i needed to do and by using the toy it makes it even more kind of um recognizable as helm's deep because the toy's done a pretty good job of it it's going to be different it's going to be an interpretation of it it's not going to be um everything in the right scale and in the right place um but i think people would look at it and go wow that's definitely helm's deep and it is big you've seen pictures of it it's it's huge it looks great Uh, i think you're being unnecessarily worried about uh, people's reaction to it i think in general 
you know, it's what we've seen is only Peter Jackson with a bit of help from Alan Lee's interpretation of yeah. you know a fictional book. So I don't think anyone can get too shirty about it. Oh, not doesn't at mean all. they won't try, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone will get shirty about it. Yeah, I think I'm probably just being a over defensive about where because I'm copying the film idea, then some bits might be a little bit out of place. But um, I mean, it's quite big. It's probably. Oh, two, two and a half foot by two foot or something space board it will fill up so it's quite a big chunk um and maybe it should be bigger in some ways but i wanted to make sure it's still like it was gameable on a four by four um i'm you know that i will build the deeping wall as well but i probably won't build the length of deeping wall that goes all the way to the other side of the book i don't know i'll have to measure it out really and, and make sure it fits but i'm not worried about taking the full deeping wall up all the way up to the rock the other side if there's no room i'm quite happy for it to cut short as long as you get the bit with the collapsible wall i think it's gameable um if it does work all the way down i can do um and again that's just gonna be more xps foam that should be fairly simple to do um i might not cut out individual blocks for that because it'll just take forever to build i might you know score that in draw that in onto the side of the blue foam um it's quite easy to do with a biro um just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look i'll have a look it might be that i use really really thin foam and cut squares and glue them on rather than like build it like bricks as much as it gives a nice effect it's a hell of a pain um, in the bum when cutting all the all the all the chunks out um it was matt who did the um uh, or skiddyath war wasn't it yes yes absolutely yeah I, I think either he or someone else who's doing something very similar did a little tutorial of how to do um you know like a masonry walls yeah. using oh, blue foam and using impressions that was on um what uh, the great british topic league right i'll, have, so I'll, search be worth I'll send him a that. message and, and find out anything that speeds up the process really because this is for gaming not for this isn't a display thing it's not it's going to look nice but it's you know if i was building it as a display but i'll obviously completely scratch built it um it is designed for playing the game on um and playing siege of girls of helms deep on a on a model that looks pretty much like helms deep that's that's the goal um it's not it, it's like I somewhere in between a time anyway yeah um, exactly you know exactly. you need to paint some models yeah i do i do that's the other thing is i don't want to i don't want to make this a six month build i want to make this and you know i've done quite a lot in three evenings and i want to clad it in another evening and then get the expanding foam and another it's just what i mean i want to kind of push on like that so that maybe in a month or six weeks time i can say it's done rather than in september how's the castle build coming on how's the castle build yeah. coming on well what's um, a wall without defenders so you need to paint them up exactly exactly so yeah i want to make it keep keep it kind of keep it um keep it realistic but still make it look cool somewhere in between playable and a lovely looking board so to speak um and then the last thing i've been doing is, is starting to look at some I, I picked up um starting to prep my camera for doing video um not gonna kind of officially launch a out of the frying pan youtube channel as such we're not going to start doing loads of video content it's not really us even though sam used to do used to have a youtube channel um but I thought it's so pretty. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. You don't want me on there doing it too much. But I um so I'm I'm going to do a um what's the word? I'm, I'm lost it. I'm lost it. I was like we've been recording this um section over over three attempts now, and I've lost my brain. Um, I'm going to do a vlog for Top Table Gaming, and they've asked me to do one of the community vlogs. So it's like a 15 minute video. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It'll probably end up being a little bit about the podcast, a bit about commission painting and, and a little tour of my, my office or something like that. It seems to be what people do. Um, but it got me thinking about 
maybe doing the odd little video not so much me talking to camera i imagine um but maybe the opportunity of like when we do our helms deep game it'd be lovely to do some filming of the game some uh, and, and edit all that together in a nice package to put up um and then maybe when we do flotsam and jetsam maybe i'll just do a couple of walk arounds and, and, and show the atmosphere of the games and things like that and maybe chat to a couple of people um as a as an alternative kind of um a bit of media rather than just us talking about it uh, you know on the podcast afterwards um so i'm going to maybe use the the youtube channel to just upload a couple of things like that there's not going to be ongoing content all the time but it might be a nice home so that we can link stuff from our social media um so we'll see how it goes really but it's a bit of fun to play around with so i've been playing around with the with my um my camera which um which can record in 4k which is um cool because apparently 4k is good if you uh you watch steve on top table gaming he likes his 4k cameras um um <laughs> but yeah that's what i've been doing so lots of stuff no painting models really that are middle earth based i've been working on a death guard commission at the moment so no no middle earth model painting but big helms deep is is my current very much middle earth um gaming project but that's 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 me really. Um, not it's not near. a bad shout, though. No, I mean done done. We've both done. Well, we've done lots. We're doing lots again. There's still lots going on, even though there's no gaming going on. Um, but uh, I really really want to get this castle film right, finished. That's the main thing. This is a, it's really fun to do, and um, don't know where I'm going to store it. Um, it's huge. I can barely get it through the door. Um, I was going to store it in my loft, which the loft axis is from my office. I'm not sure it's going to go through, <laughs> through the gap, um, which means I'll have to go in my garage. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I haven't really thought that through too much. Which is, at least I didn't build it so big I can't get it out of the room because that would be a big problem. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing it off and then at some point later in the year, all of us getting together having some beers and being able to be within um, six foot of each other and um, and, and playing a really big game on it because I think it'll be good fun. Yeah, well, it means it gives me an opportunity to paint some more stuff up as well. Um, there's a few bits and pieces I want to paint, so it's never yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, I and mean, Sam's been painting his, um, his um, Isengard stuff, hasn't he? Um, I'm going to paint some myself I'll probably end up with six to eight hundred points worth of stuff myself we'll have to double up some things so we all obviously both have Lurtzes so maybe we'll have to use one of the Lurtzes as, a, as his, his cousin Bert's who's going to be a captain um, <laughs> find little ways around kind of making sure we've got enough um, stuff on the table I suppose you were, if we use the 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 Legend of Legion for you won't have any named heroes there anyway so it'll have to be Burt's and Gert's um, the, the, the the twin cousins of Lurt's um, but anything to, to make use of given them. the scenario we can uh, make a couple <laughs> of uh, changes and, and bend the rules slightly for the sake of the game yeah exactly I mean we won't end up using friendly exactly we, we, I mean we won't put um, Saruman there or anything like that because that would be I want to kind of make it like like it should be but in terms of using um, character um, captains essentially using those models as just Uruk captains rather than painting up more miniatures which we're only going to use once sort of thing then yeah we'll definitely do that I know um, Ben Stanley if he's um, if he's in the UK then when we do it hopefully he will be he's got he's got Isengard army as well so he's going to come and bolster the forces uh, but if I have need to need more defenders I think I might have to uh, steal some uh, Rohan models off around me to bring with me just in case oh, we, well, I don't know how many it depends what points we play it as um, because even a thousand points of the defenders don't actually get you much I haven't worked this is the thing I'm building the castle and thinking about models but I've not really worked out how many points we'll do um, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we'll kind of 
maybe we'll try and make it sort of 2,000 points a side or something like that, or maybe more for the attackers, a couple of thousand for, maybe 1,500 for the defenders. You get all your character, you get all your heroes in then, and then kind I of, can easily put down and then bulk 700 up. points of elves, easy. Well, that's loads, and that's the thing, isn't it? We, yeah. we probably we might not even need that many of them, but um, we'll be, yeah, it might be road hire and infantry. We might need a few more of those. So bulking, bulking those out might be the the way forward. We want it to look good. We don't want it to end in five minutes. We also don't want it to go on for twelve hours as well. We're gonna have a think, look at the scenario that's in um, in in the, in the book, um, see what they suggest for the overall game, um, think about whether that's going to be look visually look what like I want it to look. Um, and then make any adjustments we need to, because I want it to be as much a um, exhibition game as a as doing the scenario as well. I want a nice balance between it looking good and us all having fun, as well as also there being enough in the game to make it interesting. Rather than otherwise, we might as well just push the models up and go pew 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 pew, and then he stabs you and and basically <laughs> turn end to the way my son would play the game if he was doing it at the moment. Um, if it keeps us happy, it depends on which we drink. It might end up devolving to that point. <laughs> well, yeah, it could do. Actually, it could do. Um, but anyway, I think um, I think that's us well caught up on what we've been up to. to be honest with you, it was quite a, quite a long, detailed chat. Probably a bit too boring. I'm going on too long. So we will. Uh, where, where where people ought to be at this moment in time? Anyway, <laughs> they've got plenty of time to listen to us. They they have they have unless they've cool. got a podcast diary. Um, directory like I've got at the moment which is filling up and filling up anyway I don't think anyone's as interested in cricket as you are though <laughs> so that's probably I'm sure there are there's going to be there's going to be a couple of them out there uh, maybe at least two of our listeners might like cricket um, right so we are going to go for a break now when we come back Sam will join us um, and we will be talking about battle companies the hour grows late and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel you are sure of this plan, Alf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com You have elected the way of paint! Welcome back and Sam's with us. How's it going Sam? Hello. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the glorious weather that we're having at the moment. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's really good. Um, I was there... Uh, as I was talking to you earlier, they're just saying it's kind of we're being trolled a little bit by the weather, but also it's making things a lot more uh, manageable for those. I'm very lucky; I've got a garden, and, and I'm very close to some countryside that I can walk in without going too far from where I'm allowed to go, kind of but kind of thing. So I'm quite lucky. I appreciate there's people in flats and things, or middle of city centres. It's uh, the good weather might seem a lot more like a trolling at the moment, but for 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 me and the kids and the family, it's actually make making the uh, making this a little bit more. Um, bit more manageable i'm quite enjoying our evening walk after dinner every day as a family we, we weren't doing that before that's for sure yeah we're, we're doing ours uh we're doing ours after lunch and mm. then sit in the garden when we uh like just after dinner or whatever which i'm really glad that i was one of the few people who did all of the stuff before the lockdown because now i'm kind of like 
I don't know what to do DIY wise. This time and no DIY. <laughs> I've got one room to paint the little box room that used to be my office. Um, that's going to be our guest room. I need some uh, need some magnolia to do that, and uh, I don't think you're allowed to go and buy paint at the moment. You're not supposed to. You're only supposed to buy DIY for fixing things rather than uh, for 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 doing things for fun. But B and Q are opening soon, so uh, maybe I'll need uh, to today, have a, apparently. Well, maybe I'll actually maybe I'll need a new washer for a tap that's leaky next time I'm out doing my grocery shopping and just accidentally swing by and buy some magnolia as well. Anyway. Should we talk about companies? Yes, let's, let's talk about battle companies. Let's talk about battle companies. So, um, what you know, we we talked about this when we first sort of started talking about Middle Earth in total, but we don't think we we kind of brushed over it really because we we're all interested in in playing the main main game. Um, well, when, yeah, everyone wants to play with the big characters, don't they? That's well, that was the biggest draw for me was all of the beautiful little characters that you can play in the normal game. So. Yes, yeah, and I think, I mean, I've, I've spoke to quite a lot of new players, and some people were confused about what it was. So mm. some, especially people who didn't play Middle Earth, but so this is like the skirmish version, is it? And it's like, well, well, no, because SBG, the main game, scales perfectly. So it, it's, it's a skirmish game and a large battle game. Um, mm. So if you wanted to reenact. Uh, a, a scene from a film with only two, a handful of models in, then the main game is the one to do it with because Battle Companies doesn't have any named characters. It's something quite different. Um, and I think that if you don't play the system um, looking from outside in, you just think, oh, it's just the skirmish version. Well, no, it, it's, it's not. It's something completely different. Should we just, between us, sort of remind people, in case there's people listening to this that, that aren't really aware of, of what Battle Companies was? So um, I believe it started in White Dwarf. I think the original edition of it was back in White Dwarf. Um, someone will will comment now, Jeremy or someone like that will comment on this thread of this show and, and, and correct me there. But I think it was uh, a game that was kind of in White Dwarf, maybe even a couple of conversions in White Dwarf. Um, but we are currently on the second edition of the game, um, which only came out about a year after the first one, I think, or 18 months after the first one. Because I know the first one actually had the new Middle Earth... Um, and branding on it so you can't have been that old um it's basically a supplement that uses the um, the core middle earth strategy battle game rules um and builds on that so you're playing games with small groups of warriors um and that that kind of can progress really so you can you can play in a league or, or a campaign it can be narrative it can be match play um, but the whole idea is is that your small battle company your handful of warriors um kind of level up xp um can develop new skills can or some of them can and they can have new equipment and your your battle companies can grow as well mm. um so i, I mean sorry, sorry, dan, dan did a really dan did a really good uh analogy analogy of it where i said oh it's basically like necromunda mm-hmm. um meets lord of the rings and dan said well actually uh mordeheim meets lord of the rings and i was like, yeah that's, that's a very good point um, but put probably, strip down. Yeah, slicker, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, probably mention if if it's okay with you, Stu. I mean, feel free to edit this out if it doesn't. <laughs> if it, be silly. If it's not true. Uh, this is where I stand on my podium and start bashing my hands. Um, the Green Dragon uh, with Zorpazorp did a fantastic episode on like covering a massive section of. Uh, battle company so like from a point of view of if you want like a really in-depth dive there's a really good episode out there by green dragon but i I think 
ours is going to be a much smaller and more personal version of it if if that's correct yes yeah we're not i mean we're not doing a, a review of the book and and as we we talk about this we haven't played none of us have played a game of battle companies at all i bought the book when it came out last year um i think you two have recently picked it up but it's uh, it's we're not here to do a review of it we are here to talk about our hobby really and what we what we're planning on doing with it rather than mm. what what you can do it or what you should do with it we're just giving a little bit of context to it because we we know that the the, the vast majority of our listeners are um a, a long-standing or longer-standing spg players than us and maybe played a lot more than this but that we also know that we brought a good chunk probably 40 or 50 people over from from heresy that we, we've met over the years playing heresy games and stuff and they might not be aware of this and there's probably other people with other people as well that may not pick up battle companies so we just thought we'd give a little bit of context um so i mean just to kind of go over what's in the book i think there's 38 battle companies i think the dunland one has now been updated in in, in more in rohan um because there was not much in it before um there's rules for creating your battle company um and rules for how it grows and develops in the book sort of in degrees and progression and armor etc which I already touched on i think there's 18 matched play they're described as match play scenarios um there's a map based campaign i think there's a narrative campaign in the book i think there has been some in white dwarf whether they're still compatible now or they were previous editions i'm not sure um um but that's kind of i see it in a nutshell really um i think something that stands out for me is sort of i think all of the um match play scenarios are all based on a four by four board which surprised me originally um it's a bit big well yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a little before. I, I, we say this cautiously. We've not played it, so it's not a review. I was surprised because I just thought, oh, it's a small amount of models. It will be be cool to fit in that same kind of coffee table space as uh, as as Warcry has been as pitched in as um, Necromunda as um, uh, help me out, guys. What's the other um, skirmishy games? Kill team kill team yeah. yeah kill team is very much on a small basis it's, i think a lot of it's played on like a two by two yeah which is tiny um infinity plays quite small i do believe as well i think it changes with infinity but um but it, yeah I th- mm, somewhere I, jane i've got bill screaming at the microphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, i've got a, a few people that play that um infinity and i know but um yeah I, again it's not a criticism it would just my assumption would have been that it would have been pitched at middle earth version of that but i'm guessing it's not that it's it's just evolved as what it what it was before which was the tradition well i'm guessing was you paid on the ladder board um and you you need a lot of scenery and stuff um we'll talk about this a little bit more later in the way we want to play it but i think we're going to try and mix that up and change that anyway because we're going to play it in the quite kind of campaigny narrative sense rather than a kind of match play sense and try and tell some stories with our own our own thick own little our own little battle companies um, and build some character up in them especially with Sam with his background for role playing stuff we might we might try and play it on slightly smaller scales so maybe two by two or something but we will report back because that might not work we might find that um, there's a reason why it's all on four by four but that's like, just a natural thing that we've all kind of come up with um, off the top of my head there's a, there's probably three of the factions that it probably needs the, the four by four uh, and that's the Shire yeah goblin town and uh moria because of the sheer amount because i know i'm looking at the shire one now and that that can have up to 25 models so right. that that might be one of the reasons why there's a four by four 
Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I just, uh, Iron Hills is five models to begin with, though. Five dwarves moving over four by four port. <laughs> I, I, th- I think if you're, it depends. I mean, again, there's 18 match play scenarios that we've not played any of. So no, we of again, so that the, the, it might become very apparent why they're four by four, but I, I would say even at twenty-five models, a two by two space is still a fairly, you know, it's, it's still a quarter of your four by four table. When you deploy your models, you, you'd get twenty-five models in that, no problem at all. And you would imagine that if you've got twenty-five models, that you're you're swarming a small hamlet or something like that against the twelve dwarves by that point or whatever it happened to be um wouldn't feel out of place either would still play okay i imagine that you're going to have a lot of a lot of terrain so you would hope that even 25 models would end up being bottlenecked a lot and they wouldn't dominate too much but i think that a lot of it depends on how you set it up yourself um it may as i said with the way we're talking about playing it um it might be that we just scale it down because we want to play some quick pick me up game pick pick me up Pick up games, pick me up. That's something completely different. Um, oh, times like this, it would be a pick me up, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Um, pick up games after a day's gaming or something with a with a couple of beers, just because you can kind of not, not got too much to think about. Or we have a mini campaign evening where we're um, playing a sort of two or three linked scenarios that we've made up ourselves, um, rather mm. than and doing the other ways of doing it. But um, so I'm talking a lot. So what have what are your both your thoughts of the book other than what we've already talked about one of your sort of overview of it uh dan do you want to go first oh go on then why not um so obviously we've touched on before that we think it's very similar obviously to other games actual games that have been released uh, necromunda and mordheim see um it i do appreciate that it is quite a lot more simple um there's Anyone who's seen some of the insides of the Mordheim and Necromunda books, you'll know that the big old uh, tables of uh, injury rolls and equipment you can get hold of, they're, they're quite extensive. So it, it generally is a little bit more streamlined than that. Um, it seems a little bit potentially more accessible, at least to begin with. Um, it's got a very concise, uh, well-laid-out um, sort of structure for how you play. It seems quite easily able to be picked up which i appreciated i never saw the original so i don't know if this differs or if it's just a rehash of what was before or whether they've cut it down dramatically i no idea um but what i can see from the book is it's really nicely put together it was you know i didn't pick it up till relatively recently i hadn't looked at it an awful lot we started talking about doing this segment i picked it up and i was able to read through it quite quickly and pick up the general gist of it very quickly Mm -hmm. which i really appreciated and that seems to be a common theme amongst a lot of the books for uh, middle earth uh-huh. they do seem to be quite well laid out and definitely done with new players in mind as admittedly anyone can pick it up from you know generation to generation there's people who have been playing it since forever when it was in the wildlands and all that so i imagine they you know like a duck to water but for a new player they're brilliantly laid out they're brilliantly assembled i'd say in a lot of ways better than some of the other game systems i've been playing it's it's really, really straightforward, that. isn't it? It it sets mm. it up in a linear. This is the order you need to do it in. Dan and I were talking last night. It's a bit of a segue, but it's relevant. We're not talking about me nearly playing the uh, Harry Potter um, the miniatures adventure game with the wife of the weekend, and we were quite late when I picked up the rule book to start reading it. And I thought it'll be all right. It's a modern game. It'll have one of those pick this model, pick that model, walk walk you through the first turn kind of things. 
nah, nah, not at all. It kind of says, start by creating your gang, go to page 68, and then you're like, well, okay, because I've played war games, I can work it out, what you, work out what you do, but, you know, this is sort of sold in water zones, this thing, and it's 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 not straightforward whatsoever. And then it's go back and it says, now pick your scenario, and you're thinking, well, now skip to page 42, and you're thinking, we've not even, you know, you've not even told me the, the what, what what size game I need to play or anything yet. It's very weirdly put together. It's not that kind of... You're not reading the book in a linear way, turning your page, and and all the knowledge you need at that time is on that page. You shouldn't be on, on page two and having to skip straight away to page 68 to understand the context of what page three means. So, anyway, sorry, Dan, back to you, but I thought it was, no, a, no, it was, a, it was a comparison it's, it's, there. It's relevant. Um, it, it feels like a much more modern way of designing games this compared to a lot of other game systems um obviously games actually a lot better um as it turns out i uh my housemate ran me through a game of 8th edition 40k last night which i've been kicking against for forever um <laughs> but really enjoyed it don't know whether it was more because we we're just playing a game it was really fun or whether um it was because of the way it had been written it was quite easy to pick up and quite easy to assimilate some of the rules at least to you know a get you by stage when you start, you know, the, the card sets start coming out and everything, that, that that could be a very different thing entirely. But GW seems to be doing a lot better with this stuff they've been working on more recently. It seems to be a lot more streamlined, a lot better. Um, obviously, the reissues of Blood Bowl and Necromunda and all of these games seem to be much more um, minded towards new players, by, you know, encouraging new players, getting new blood in, not just playing lip service to the people who have been playing forever. Yeah, because that's not how you build a community, and I really like that. And this is definitely follows on from that. Um, and even how well Necromunda was has been written to pick it up, and then you slowly expand, and the rules get larger and larger, and you pick up the supplements, and it all gets even compared to that. This is very, very, very accessible, and also it's got a very low buy-in point. I mean, most of these warbands are pretty easy to get hold of. Yes, with some exceptions, but <laughs> most of them seem to be pretty reasonable. There's, there's some of them definitely where the you could literally buy one box of something and that's that's your beginning warband at least. Yeah. And then the rest of your warband may not necessarily be as easy to build up. But yeah, there's a lot of the warbands where you can literally buy one one box and then that's you sorted. And then if you roll well enough on the table for what you want, you might never have to buy anything else ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely think if you're doing a you know the full-on strategy battle in the same faction alongside this, it's a good way of one of building up painted models. You're attacking things in small chunks as you build up to a large force of strategy battle. But definitely you will cover most of what you need within your strategy battle to just cover anything you'd need for the battle companies as well. Because yes. generally they're the units you're going to want anyway. Yeah, and there's um, there's rules for using your, your battle company in larger games as well. So it's just like a little addendum. Um, so... so I think I haven't read it all, but there's you can definitely once you've used your battle company and you've you've built it, you can because you because you, you, you can point them up. It teaches you how to point them up. You can actually use it in a in a, in a full size game. So, it'd be a lovely way to end a, a kind of a narrative campaign, wouldn't it? That you've got your hero and your your band of warriors that end up being part of a six hundred or seven hundred point sort of bigger bigger battle um and that's been that them being a war band would be quite cool wouldn't it but which is a really nice way of linking it yeah I, I definitely like that and obviously you could link it in with the map based system that they put in the recent um 
match play guide. Yes. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways of adding additional um, narrative elements to the game. I mean, I know that the predominant um, amount of gaming that at least is shown publicly. I know a lot of people are gaming with their mates in the garage and they have no need to post it to the world, and that's fair enough. But most people are seeming within the community to be playing a lot of match play. So yeah. it is really nice that they are catering for that narrative scenario-driven. It gives you a lot of opportunities to create your own narratives as well, which, you know, obviously Sam must be loving as a, a, a resident GM for D&D. Mm. Um, so, you know, the ability to really take the strategy battle game and then zoom in on it and do something really small and character driven yeah it's great yeah absolutely i think i think match play thing is the default position for conversation in and, and a way of determining the use of a profile it seems to be you look at a profile and, and it's reviewed first as a how it fits into a the wider match play meta um and that's and those people that are interested in that we'll talk about that on in on internet forums and groups etc that's just where that conversation happens to be um there's obviously a lawful lot of people who don't care about that quite as much and maybe just don't engage in those kind of conversations there's a there's a lot of that below the surface in the wild game i don't know what the figures are for people that play this game uh, games which will have a an idea of how many players they've got worldwide um i'm sure there's a massive percentage of of garage and home gamers versus the you know the people that sort of play competitively so there's there's space for both but i think sometimes when, when you look in groups and stuff and they talk about profiles and new things it's there is definitely a focus towards discussing it in 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 the, the context of match play which is not always the way so yes it's good it's definitely good that they've brought out the campaign elements and there's a there's a campaign narrative campaign in this book and there's a map based campaign as well so you could definitely I'm sure there'll be ways of linking it with with what's like you said in the in the match play guide yeah the um I quite like that that's probably my favorite section here actually the map based campaign which again was probably one of my favorite sections in the um match play guide as well uh-huh. so in the battle companies I love this um the map, the map based campaign um the fact it gives you uh, additional rules for playing in different areas um you know different parts of the, the middle earth and uh, harder um and I really like that. Um, I think it gives you a lot of opportunities of varying up um, your gaming, particularly if you're at an early stage and no one's looking to particularly um, spend any more money and they're still learning the rules um, and you're sort of almost resetting your campaigns. Yeah. But it means you can use the same models but get more out of them by playing in different um, ways with those models, which I think particularly for younger gamers or people who are starting and it's already look at a big outlay on models and paints i think it's probably time we start talking a little bit more about um how your battle companies are sort of formed and um and, and then what happens after a game etc so a little bit more meat into it as we mentioned a couple of times we've obviously not played yet so this is theoretical but just to carry on giving that context for 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 listeners who aren't so familiar with battle companies or haven't played themselves before we talk about how we're going to play ourselves and what we're, going to, what we're planning on doing um so you 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 choose your battle company from one of the 38 that are in the book um and they're it's formulaic it tells you what you've got to start with um so for example i've got this page open in front of me at the moment so if you're if you choose the shire your starting battle company is eight hobbit militia and four hobbit archers 
Um, Approximately £75 to purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So some are definitely more expensive than others. I mean, and a Shire Battle Company may have up to 25 models in it rather than the normal cap on 15. I'm not sure if we mentioned that or not, but uh, um, Battle Companies are generally sort of limited to under 15 models with a few exceptions, to, you know, depending on the strength of those uh, models. If you were limited to 15 Hobbits, you would be losing more than you would be normally. Um, so that gives you an idea. And if I randomly open a page in one of the the evil ones as well what comes up um, Agmar, Agmar you get three Agmar orcs with shield, two Agmar orcs with spear two Agmar orcs with a two handed weapon and two Agmar orcs with a bow um, and that would be your starting um, battle company so that's prescribed to you um, and then as you go through games and things you can have reinforcements and it's a d6 table and it's generally one of those um, and you can have special ones as well, so they might be slightly better. So it might be a Warg Writer or a Dead Marsh Spectre in that example. Um, and some, like the Shire, doesn't really have special in that sense, but you can get some unique war gear um, and you get specific hero upgrades and things as well. So the idea is you choose your battle company, you start with your prescribed um, uh, starting company, um, and you play your first game. Um, and then at the end of your first game, this is where. I wouldn't say the interesting stuff, but this is where the kind of this is where the core of the game really starts to happen. What makes it different from just the little the little um, um, smaller scale game on the table? Step one is you you calculate your injuries. Um, so anyone who's um, left any models left the table, so through injury, through death, or through through, through killing in that sense, rather than running away, um, you roll an injury table and you see how bad it is. It might be something that doesn't really have any effect you might be you lose your arm or lose a leg or something you might be you're, you're dead and that, that character is completely gone then um so your your battle company is down in its numbers and you'd have to wait for advancements in order to replace them um and then the next stage is is looking at your experience um so you get experience points from playing your games and you can progress your your models so i think we talked about it a little bit but there's progression charts in the in the table uh, in the book sorry and i think that's something that interests sam and remind him of D probably more than some of the other stuff um Indeed. um and we'll talk about those in a moment uh and then there's influence um again it's kind of you get influence points for um taking part in games um and that helps you with your reinforcements and things um, and then after all that, step four is calculating your battle company's rating. And that's basically the points of it, I think. Um, so each model's points are the same as they would be in the book. So your base points for a Rohan warrior plus it's whatever weapons it has. Um, and then your heroes, there's a, there's a table in there, well, a, a kind of small list that shows you how to calculate their points. Um, and because they have can have might, um, will and fate and they have extra weapons and things there's different ways of, of adding those points up as well but essentially you can work out the points for your battle company um and, and that's it really you go through those stages after you've played your game for progressing within your league or in your map based campaign or in your narrative campaign however however it is you're uh, you're playing it um some people say start a battle company and um, and then they will keep building it, and they might be playing people at different levels. Um, and that battle company's rating is a bit of like a, I think it's a bit works a bit like a handicap in some ways. Um, um, doesn't doesn't mean it's any easier to to beat a uh, very um, experienced battle company with a with a with a starter one, but you know I don't think it's too much of an issue. Um, so 
let's talk about those progression charts and and the kind of advancements and things that you can do. Sam, <laughs> you've been you've been looking at these, haven't you? Because they're your yeah. uh, your baby in terms of D and D influence. I think. Mm. I mean, before before you go any further, it's the thing that really grabs me about why this game is actually really important for this whole narrative side of things is that, uh, like you said, you effectively have to play a game with your starting group before anything else can happen. So it means that you at least have a game where there's no convoluted bits in between where you can actually play this game with your, uh, I think it's seven models for the uh, force I've picked, um, and you can actually get used to them and then you can have a look at what you can upgrade if you need to replace them and stuff like that. So yeah. a lot of things, d and is the prime example, you need to set everything up before you've even played the game. And for people who are new, that's not necessarily a good thing. But with this game, everything's already... You get that sort of almost like... You get the uh, like the tutorial uh, thing that you get in like normal computer games where you effectively have to do the first like hour where you're learning how to play the game. And that's what that first section is where you've just got your core stuff and no upgrades or anything like that. And you can actually have a bit of fun with it and see how it plays. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, it's almost your first stage is to select your which battle company you're going to use and pick the models from that first table. But then you don't have to do anything other than play a game. Your first, your next stage is to play a game before you go and then deal with any of those injuries or the experience or the influence or the, or the, or the battle company's rating. So, yeah, absolutely. I can get I get what you're saying now. I haven't really thought about it like that. You, The first instance is, is get playing and then after that, deal with the outcome of that first game. Yeah. I think that's really important for this as a, as a starter game. And I, I hadn't actually looked at it like that until uh, we sat down and prepared to do this little segment yeah i mean i think when when we first talked about doing this and i think it was before you'd read the rules on it and it's based on assumptions isn't it you said mm-hmm. why don't we do a segment we i want to do battle companies it looks interesting let's do a segment on rolling up our initial battle companies or our gangs and i was like well it's a good, a good idea let's talk about battle companies but it doesn't work like that it's it's it's, yeah. it's prescribed for you um and again i think that might be something that, that people don't necessarily realize that even games like necromunda you're choosing your your war gear loadout aren't you it's very bespoke to start with um but i suppose with the this game's a lot smaller in its scope in terms of war gear and and, and loadout on things that um it wouldn't work that way you're only going to end up with about with variety amount as much variety as you've got now anyway um there's far less types of weapons in middle earth than there are guns in the 40k universe um so I suppose it makes sense that it's this way around. Um, okay, sorry, so- I I went back a little bit there from from what you initially uh, wanted me to go over. Sorry, that's no, okay. It's okay. Um, so, should we talk about what we what we're planning on doing, or what we think we might be planning on doing with it? Because we we we're very much um, looking at this from a more of a sort of a laid back narrative point of view rather than the. To maybe do a league or to do a um, a match play style campaign. Um, mm. So we might do we might play some games when we get together um, a few times. You know, we get together sort of a few times a year um, rather than um, all being in the same place. I know that when my local the local players started picking this game up when the book first came out, there was a league and, um, and which is fine. It's nothing not a bad way of playing it. But for me, the, this game screamed narrative and 
really thinking about your your battle company's characters and their names and, and and what their backgrounds are and seeing it as almost like an extension of a, a, a or a toned down um, role play kind of thing rather than doing it as match play if i want to play match play i probably want to play a full game rather than battle companies um and i think you guys have got a similar kind of idea on it really um so we were, t- we were talking about ways of making it a little bit more narrative based we talked about maybe doing smaller board size i think we touched on it earlier but the the four by four tables are quite quite large and we thought maybe make it look at changing the scenarios a little bit and making them work on little two by two boards um and uh and maybe just playing a campaign evening when we get together once every few months um and that's it that the progression only lasts as far as that that evening so you're all progressing at a similar level um rather than us all kind of playing our our um battle companies individually and then bring them together sometimes you, you see that with a league with blood bowl or something that people have someone's played a whole whole campaign and someone's got a new team and the one team's a lot better than the other um the other thing is kind of very very low level starter battle companies with not many advancements just using for pickup games in an evening after an event or something with a bit with a few beers and uh again not really sort of reading too much into it but um what do you what are your guys thoughts about the, the your approach and how you'd like to see it play I mean, i'm talking for you there but we've obviously talked previously about it oh, i'm very much uh, in the same place as you i think with all of these type of games um so you're talking Blood Bowl Leagues, Necromunda Gang Wars or Hive Wars, whichever way you want to put it, um, you know, uh, Mordheim campaigns, this, it requires people to be able to um, set aside a certain amount of time um, and commit to playing a certain amount of times in a given period. Everyone needs to be able to do roughly the same or the disparities start to become obvious so either you start end up limiting people who've got potential to play more which may not work for them or you've got people either forced into gaming or they just can't keep up and they end up fighting gangs teams whatever that are vastly above where they are and although there are often um handicap systems and you get bonuses if you're sort of down and there's stuff in uh, battle companies for that for getting extra influence etc if you're fighting with a battle company that's much higher than you are it doesn't always lead necessarily to a very uh, fulfilling and entertaining game. Uh-huh. So I think playing it in a more narrative style where you just generally play small scale, um, either play over a long time and, and set your meetups and you leave that particular campaign of battle companies alone otherwise and just play some friendly games otherwise. I think that may be the way I want to go and play it because everyone's playing at a similar uh, pace. Everyone's going to have a lot of fun. Everyone's buying into the narrative you're trying to create. And that, for me, is more what this is about. If I want to play a more, you know, competitive match play experience, I'd probably just go for the standard strategy battle game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you can use the same models. You can re, you can sort of respawn them, I suppose, if you need to, if you've got a favourite character. I don't think, I don't think it matters to do that. And you could, like you said, you could use the same battle company and in a pick-me-up sort of sense but if you're taking part in a campaign you just kind of reset your battle company to where you were when that campaign was was last ended so to speak the only time that might be an issue is if you're changing weapons and adding them to models but um i think a little bit of flexibility there i don't it's always made me laugh with necromunda isn't it is that you will get a new weapon and stuff but you spend this miniature so you're gonna you're gonna cut up miniatures and put a new weapon on or are you going to create a new miniature or are you just going to use a little bit of uh, how many times am i going to play with this miniature with this weapon um do a bit of counts as um for a, for a 
friendly narrative campaign with a couple of friends I think enjoying the game on the table is a bit more important important than a fully whizzy wig at every stage um, especially if the games are pretty short as well you imagine cutting up a model that looks beautiful adding a weapon and you play a game that only lasts for like 40 minutes and then you don't get together for a couple of months and then yeah and that character dies or you've got another advancement and you go oh, I'm going to give him this weapon now it's just could get to the point of of silly or maybe you can magnetize who knows but um i'm i'm not going to worry too much about that you do whatever the best option if you can do a nice conversion that looks better then you're going to want to do it if it's a kind of oh, i'm not sure i want to mess this up then don't mess it up because it's it's a game of toy soldiers at the end of the day and you're not at a competitive event where was your wigs that important um, i think cards are going to be the way forward for me with this yep so similar to the way you get um, player cards and ganger cards for the other systems. Um, I don't know if there's something in existence. Um, I don't know whether there's a, a, a yak tribe for, for well, this. but Well, there is. Um, and it's actually at the bottom of the of the notes here. Um, but it probably fits better where, where we're talking now. So you've got um, Battle Companies Manager. Have you guys heard of Battle Companies Manager? I, have I not. discovered it literally just this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so it is basically your, your yak tribe for 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 this game um obviously none of the data is it's completely free to use um, um it's uh battlecompaniesmanager.com if you search battle companies manager google finds it straight away so it's completely free you can donate if you like the it, like it but it's completely free and you can basically set up your 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 um, battle company in there give them their names you have to manually put in the stats yourself and the rules but once you've done that you can create profiles so you can copy and paste it so if it's like a, a, a rohan warrior we'll use that example again um, and you've got multiples of them in your gang once you've created it you can copy the profile over again and again um, and it just kind of manages your you can use it in game but it, if not if you want to just use it outside of the game as well to manage your the progression stages afterwards you can do you can upload photos so this removes the if you take a photograph of your miniature and put it on there and you're using this in game as like cards like you said dan you can also that removes the need for you to paint the name model's name on the base as well especially if the models are almost identical um so you'd be able to look at it and go oh yeah that's ranger b bob um and then ranger d dave is um um got a slightly different weapon loadout till ranger c alan and you know and, it, and it's uh obviously better names are available um but yeah battle companies manager if you haven't checked it all out i've only just um signed up for it yesterday and was about to start entering my my warband uh my gang so my gang let's mention any other any other descriptions which aren't correct for this um battle company um i was about to start entering my battle company i ran out of time so i haven't gone any further so i'm not going to go a, a full a full review of it yet um there is a really good video on top table gaming um where they're on talking about it and he's there describing how the guy who wrote it is there describing how to do it i have spoke to him briefly about getting him on the show at some point in the future but top table gaming does such a great job of it and it's visual it's a visual medium having him on here to describe him um in an audio format to people that have probably already seen it on top table gaming might not be the best thing for now but we'll probably get him on at some point in the future um but yeah, go and check Battle Company's manager out and um, use it, because I, I will be rather than pen and paper, to be honest with you. Um, you can print them as well. There is an option, if you've got a printer, um, there is an option to print them off to using games, but you can you can do it from the app. And it's quite well formatted for mobile, from what I can tell. 
and works quite well so if you're using an iPad for games and things it looks like it will work I've not tried it but it looks like it'll work quite well right then so I mean we've still we've had some other ideas one one final way of playing that we've we've not talked about on the the cast yet is we kind of banded the idea around yesterday is maybe the three of us trying to do this during this lockdown period online um where one of us hosts the game between the other two whether this forms part of a campaign i don't know how that would work but i could definitely see how it would work for an individual game so i had the idea that I get out uh, a little two by two mat I've got that would fit on my desk. I can get my camera facing top down. I can set up terrain. What I can't do is add your own beautifully painted individual models that you've characteristically built up yourself. But those might have to be bases with pictures on or something like that. But you could essentially GM a game for two other people online who are watching the tabletop on video. Um, you tell me where you want to move your models. I move them for you when you're happy. We go, yep, that's done, and then the next person gets their their turn to do it. But you can also add some some DM elements to it as well, so maybe some non-player characters. You could bring in. I wouldn't want to bring in um, Aragorn or something like that, but you know, you could have Master of Late Town maybe and a couple of militia as part of a scenario. Or um, I think you mentioned when we were talking about before Sam having a troll on there or something and I said yeah we could be guarding a troll's horde and both players got to get to the horde and maybe they got to work out whether they work together to, to attack the troll or do they just try and, and steal the, 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 the horde on their own you could have some real fun with it um, you, could, um, you could actually based on how uh, how big the influence of the I was about to call them gangs as well there the um, war band, the uh, the battle company is. Uh, so let's say that the rating is below five. There's only one cave troll, but then five to uh, seven, there's two cave trolls, and then um, <laughs> and you add it up. So you add the the influence of the two battle companies together, and it tells you how many trolls should be on the table for the GM to control. You can make it that. Yeah. Because obviously, if if you have somebody who's got a really poorly performing gang rock up. And they've got um, <laughs> and they've got to do with a cave troll whilst their opponent who is doing quite well is shooting at them then it's not necessarily as fair but obviously if you have and likewise you could do it so that um, the gang the oh, the battle company that has the most influence is the gets like a plus one to the troll going for them rather than going to the opponent because they're more well renowned so the troll instantly goes for them. Yeah, absolutely. We could we could probably come up with, and you'd be the best person to do this, is a set of guidelines, maybe some tables to roll on to help influence the um, the dungeon master or the game's master's um, decision-making about what where, where to go and where to attack. You know, Hopefully you can make some common sense decisions about, I'm not going to do this because it's going to wreck that person's game. And ultimately they're, I think, the same as D&D, and we've talked about this before but i think that the point is there to make sure that the players have a good game that would be what i'd be trying to do for you two is that we're going to play a narrative based game it might be a one-off game it might be part of a campaign but i want you two to enjoy the experience and it be part of something that builds i don't you know i wouldn't be there we're trying to win as the non-player character so it might be that i don't charge in the troll and smash face it might just be that i have play it in a more defensive role and 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 not make game 
smart decisions in terms of how they work if that you know that's another way of managing that but yeah if there's a if there's a set of like flow chart of guidelines of who to attack first it might be always attack the strongest opponent or something like that there might be a, some some basic rules you work by as well um or at least you roll and the odds are that they're more likely to attack the um the strongest opponent or something this this you know it's you can be as you can be as prescriptive or or as just kind of make it up as you go along as you want. But ultimately, I think the goal would be to create some funny, unique um, scenarios that you could GM. I quite like the idea of whether it's in person or over the internet that that someone's there um, running the game for two other people to have a, a fun sort of narrative-based game for it. That's why I love to see, see this game working. I just think mm. if I want to reenact the film. I will pick one of the amazing narrative scenarios that are there. If I want to do a, a match play style game, the, the game is awesome for it. Um, but this is a way of <clears throat> almost kind of getting into Middle Earth with your own set of own set of characters. So you've got a very kind of almost D and D esque experience on the table, but really is the fight part of it. Um, yeah, there's a really great opportunity as well that if you've got. Uh, Zomortalis style mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of custom bulkheads, you could really do a really good, almost like a dungeon crawl. Yeah. Uh, where you've got the two uh, battle companies on either side of the table. And we've seen, personally, we've seen the whole Fog of War thing mm-hmm. uh, being done. You could do that, and it could literally be a case of this, this little plucky war band of 15 um, Shirelings is sort of walking around, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, it's. Um, not a barrow white but that sort of like mm. you can have that sort of thing show up um and you could have it that at the end you might end up having like an uruk high force that's got like two guys left and then this shire force that's still got like 15 because they've been extremely lucky with what they've come across yeah that would probably be quite funny to see that would be brilliant so that's another way of doing it yeah so for zone mortalis for people that don't not I'm familiar with 40k 30k so mortalis is essentially as sam said a dungeon crawl site a type of layout um so fighting inside fighting corridors uh, going for yeah absolutely so you so you could you could do a dungeon crawl kind of scenario as well where your your, your characters are moving through so this the the scope for turning this game into something else is great um and if you've got someone there to run the game a third person to run the game you can really kind of control that and um that means the players can just just focus on moving their miniatures and, and, and trying to deal with a bespoke scenario which might be finding something and getting off the table as much as it is pitch battle kind of thing um it, it excites me the thought of playing it like that is is it adds an element to it that um is not quite so pick-up game at all but i quite like it because i think the main game always wins over i think i said it before when battle companies came out i really liked the look of it but i was so into them the the the, the main game which was new to me at the time that I kind of was like, well, I just want to play the main game. Whereas talking about this as in terms of a much more, not even skirmishing, much more of a narrative, um, role play esque um, small game, then it makes me want to paint my small battle company and make the characters more than thinking about, you know, Ranger A, B, C, and D. That well, I don't know if they die or replace them with another one, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, agreed. But we're gonna, we're definitely gonna try that when we. I mean, I might start looking at some stuff early next week and see if I can come up with a basic trial 
scenario and set up a little board and if we can find time next week we'll get we'll get you to online and uh, we're not going to film it or, or record it when we play and um, there'll be far too much swearing but it might be that we you know, we can come back and report to you all how it went and if it went really well and it's enjoyable and it's something that's fairly smooth and running as in we can get it down to a, a 45 minute or an hour segment then maybe i will hit record on the on the camera and we can look to pop it up on the on a youtube channel or something like that in the future but um that's uh that's an if but we'll definitely play it them the primary thing is so we can do a bit of gaming um not only because of lockdown but also because you're in portsmouth and, and dan's in peterborough and i'm in um, gloucestershire um so we're not we're not in the, you know we're all a good couple of hours drive away from each other which is it just doesn't really sorry americans i know that's not very far but for us to to go and just have a game on a regular basis it doesn't work very well with family life and, and work and things and especially now we're not able to but um it could be a good way of us getting some gaming in on a regular basis basis together which we can easily do over the internet um so let's talk, i mean unless dan's got anything you'd like to add to that experience i mean sam and i've been banging on there about the D D sort of side of things Have you got anything you wanted to add before we move on to our next part of the conversation no i think it, it goes quite well i think um it's going to be interesting doing the uh remote gaming um Potential. There's a couple of ways we can go about that. I think we'll uh, keep on hammering at it until we get it right. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I will. Um, I'll play around with my camera setup this week. Um, point that at the table, and um, and hopefully it'll it'll look really cool. Um, the only thing was I said it'll be missing will be your own miniatures. Um, but I've definitely got a lot of painted miniatures that I can put on as NPCs and stuff. And I think it visually could quite look fairly cool even if it means you're just holding your characters yourself and looking at the uh, lovely painted miniatures wishing they were on the table um but yeah we will we will report back maybe on the next show actually if we've had a chance to play which would be nice we can report back in many meetings about uh, a game we may have had cool let's talk about what um battle companies we're all going to start with ourselves then so dan um what you kick us off so who you um who are you going for uh, well, I, I did almost have a wobble very recently because, uh, as we discussed earlier in the uh, this particular episode, that um, I was looking at Dog Order uh, for main strategy battle, and I thought, oh, you know, I can always add on to that uh, for this. And I looked at how many hunter orcs and stuff you need, and I was like, nah, that's not happening. <laughs> so, uh, and I did almost uh, look at uh, Kirifon Gore as well. Um, so, because I'm a real, real fan of the uh, Mordor Urukai. Yeah. Love those models, but I'm not painting a spider. I don't like spiders. Um, <laughs> there's something about paints. The idea of painting one just doesn't sit well with me, um, and it sort of precludes you from some other options. So I'm actually going for plain old Mordor. Standard. That'd be good to start out with for sure. Yeah, well, the, it gives you a good mix of everything, and I don't have to paint any spiders. So um, <laughs> you, you get access to the Mordor Urukai. You've got access to uh, sort of Black Guard, which I think are really cool as well. There's opportunity for a lot of conversion there. Black Numenorians. I really like the idea of doing these guys. So um, just to cover the starting uh, battle company, it's three orcs with shields, three oh, two orcs with spears, two orcs with double-handed weapons, and uh, two with bows. So um, that's a pretty nice little even mix. The standard orcs, uh, which I can get hold of quite easily. I have been donated some uh, Morinans, which means that if I get advancements and upgrades, then I can swap those over as well, which is fantastic. Um, and it gives me a lot of opportunities to do some cool uh, painting projects. Uh, I'd like to base them ideally on um, 
the forces that are pushed out from Mordor and slowly started to encroach into Gondor. So these would be the orcs that have successfully harried the forces and routed um, the Minithilian. So the standing garrisons have been sort of kicked out and only the rangers are really fighting a guerrilla resistance. I, I like the idea that these are the uh, chaps who've uh, popped over from the, the Blacklands and uh, taken over the uh, the forts and outposts of uh, Gondor. So they'll be a smattering of... Um, sort of Gondor breastplates and shields and there'll be trophies and things like that. The opportunity to give sort of the standard orcs a bit of love because I doubt I'll ever paint them for strategy battle because just painting a horde army is not particularly my idea of fun. <laughs> so the opportunity to give these guys a real sort of character and a bit of love and give them some funny names um, I think could be uh, could be really good. Um, and it means I can also do... I, I really like the idea of doing a, a Black Numenorium, but... I've always been fascinated with um, Sauron's time on Numenor when he, uh, you know, conned them all and then was eventually ousted. But the the nobles and their followers who ended up sort of being swayed by him, a sort of slightly dark and twisted version of what the, we see as Numenorians from the Last Alliance. Yes, I quite yeah. like the idea of converting something from that, something not too intrinsically mauled or something older, okay, something more yeah. evil. So I quite like the idea of being able to convert a few bits and pieces off that. Um, and I don't particularly like the Black Guard models, but I think there's potential to convert other models to make some really awesome stand-ins. So I think we could uh, have a lot of fun with that. And I get the opportunity to have Wargs, so and I don't mind painting a few of those either. So I think that could be a bit of a laugh, really. Yeah, well, it's that's, that's one of the things that... Um really sort of got me about playing this is as we talked about the the, the role play elements and making it really characterful but also painting up painting a handful of models but really maybe touching on things you wouldn't normally do or not likely to do very often um and yeah you can just really put some love into them and not the feeling that you need to paint another 50 of them is for sure is a, is a bonus um what about yourself sam who you um who you're going to start with uh, I have gone with Isengard uh, simply because it's the force that I've start well finished painting in at the beginning of lockdown, and obviously I haven't been able to play them. So I, I now want to play them in maybe a smaller setting to get used to how to play play them. Yeah. Um, I, I I've always liked Isengard. They've always been my go-to bad army if I was ever gonna pick a bad army they're always the first ones i look at uh and playing them in a smaller setting that's almost like D, &D uh is perfect for me um and their unique war gear sounds quite funky so um what can i have good. it's uh it's a uh, uruk high grog oh lovely <laughs> uh, so a hero may elect to use their uruk high grog at the start of any game if they do so remove it from the hero's model profile every model within the hero hero models battle company may re-roll a single d6 we're making a dual roll for the duration of that game <laughs> fantastic uh little bits like that are really fun and uh mm. and again i think just for me just highlight the the screaming out that this should be played as a kind of a laid back kind of fun narrative -y kind of thing rather than rather than another way so who do you mm. what do you start with for your for your starting battle company for Isengard? Uh, so mine is two Urukai scouts three Urukai scouts with shield and two Urukai scouts with bows 
fantastic. So it's the stuff you love as well, and I think you've said on previous parts, one of the reasons you like um, Isengard is the, the scout models, which are yeah. right up your alley, so to speak. Um, I'm guessing the reinforcements, they are mixture of scouts, yeah, and normal warriors. Um, yeah. And then your special is um, ferals and um, berserkers. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think we previously discussed that I'm not a big fan of the Ur- the feral Urukai model, uh, uh-huh. and uh, I, whereas I have lots of berserkers, uh, so being able to maybe uh, put some coin towards the the DM's way for the uh, to, to be always able to take a berserker will always be preferable to me. But always, I know that it's not necessarily always an option. Yeah, I think when we when we talked about how we might do these things, is that we're looking at it very much. We're not in. We're not doing a league. If you were doing a league based at your local club and there's ten players in, you'd probably need to stick to the rules for for maybe for balance reasons. If you're doing it in a in a in a friendly competitive way, um, yeah. but when you're doing it as a like two or three people as a mini campaign or or DM led thing, then you just do what you what you want to do. Really, if you really want a particular model, then then there's no way I would say, well, no, you got to take the other especially if you don't own one as well it makes common sense involved that you want to scour ebay for a a feral which might cost you loads of money but if you've got plenty of plastic berserkers like a lot of us have um then just use that is just like the same as the um the um whizzy wig for the odd weapon change thing here and there let's just have a little bit of common sense around it and not let worrying about those things detract from the enjoyment of the game so to speak and having fun especially as we yeah. might be playing over the internet for a while when your model is a base with a picture on it um it's um sometimes i might have the correct models to to um you know to replace but i will rather than building a, a, a unpainted plastic uruk for you to have on a on a table which is going to have painted terrain and stuff i'm probably more likely to search for images of the models and print them off flat and stick them on bases because you're looking at it top down anyway i think that would actually look more visually pleasing than a plastic gray model on a on a table where everything else is painted to be honest with you but we'll uh, that's all in the detail that I probably don't need to go into here it's good though it's, and I'm, i was thinking about this the other day and we talked about it is that you have your fully painted shire armor anyway so you've easily if you've ever fancied playing something different you can easily do um shire can't you and not have to do anything you just crack it out the case and you're ready to go yeah it is pretty much and with all the new character models for the shire as well it makes it really easy to pick models to be your heroes as well yes yeah whereas previously that was quite a difficult thing to do because they're all very very similar yeah we can definitely make use of some of those models too Uh, they'd also be good from a from a dm's point of view i'm not telling you what to run if you run a game for for myself and dan but um some of those characters well i talked about picking npcs you want to make sure they're not too powerful that they dominate the table but they definitely had an element of something um npc hobbits are the kind of level that'll be perfect that you can interact with interact with the game as such cause some some headaches maybe maybe cause a minor amount of damage but they shouldn't shouldn't break the game like a uh, hero of legend would um, in, in another situation um yeah. i'd definitely be looking at if i was running a, a shire based game i can imagine that making use of some of those characters that those minor heroes are like 10 20 points and things would be um would be quite cool um endless possibilities um so so I'm I'm going to go with Wanderers in the Wild. Um let's 
as soon as I flicked through and saw those, that was a bit of a given. Really, it was slightly different to some of the some of the factions full up match the main factions in the game. Some of them are a little bit of a mix. Um, this is the the fellowship faction, I suppose, isn't it? The fellowship non fellowship. It's kind of your your bead team, the uh, the reserves, the the under twenty ones fellowship um, squad, um, filling the roles, but aren't the big names. Um, so your your starting battle company for Wanderers in the Wild is um, basically two dwarf rangers, two wood elves, two rangers of Gondor, and one hobbit militia. Um, so you, as soon as I saw it, it was a kind of a way of doing it. Felt like a real D and D sort of party. Um, yeah, it's just perfect. As soon as I saw it, that was exactly what I was going to do. So there was no way I was going to be doing anything else, and that's again why this game sings out to me as a way to play it as a lose yourself in the narrative of of non film Middle Earth. Um, I actually started the models when I um, when I picked up the book last year, but then did nothing else with them because I couldn't just couldn't make it to the league matches at, at the uh, at the club couldn't go to the weekly things so I just never really played the game but um, I put some pictures in our chat of what I what I made and I will share these in our group in a, when the show's been out after a couple of days so people can see some context but um, so I my dwarves um, I've done some minor conversions of them so I've got two dwarf rangers um, luckily I found all these on eBay in separate sprues rather than having to buy whole boxes because Wanderers in the Wild is one of those one of those um, battle companies where it could get quite expensive only needing one or two models from each sort of plastic box set so to speak so ebay is your friend but um i used the i had a plastic fellowship knocking about and i've got a metal one and i'm not really such a big fan of the plastic fellowship so i was happy to cut some of those up to um sort of intermix but i got some dwarf rangers and i made two um one i added a double hand gimme these axe and sort of turned it into a double-handed axe um and i've um extended his hood slightly and i've given him a massive handlebar moustache and added a little uh, little pouch on his belt um i think the other one was standard i can't remember now whether i swapped a weapon out or not i think the other one was just one of the standard ones um and then for the elves um i think one is standard i might have repositioned the head um and then the other one i've i've basically cut leggy's head off off the plastic one and, and stuck it on the, the two-handed sword version of a wood elf and then extend the cloak up so the hood is up so it covers some of the cut marks and things where I um, cut one head off and whacked another head on um, and just changed the pose there so it just the model looks a bit unique rather than just a plastic warrior um, and then I've used Gondor Rangers and I think one is standard I may have swapped a head around I honestly can't remember now and that's nice that's like I'm bigging up my conversions I think think that one is just standard and then the other one i've used boromir's head and again i've built up the hood but the hood's down but it's a bit kind of thick around the around the neckline um so those all look a bit unique and then i've based my hobbit on the sam um model um but i've cut off with the hand with the frying pan and i've pinched the hand with the stone and i think it's pippin that has the stone it might be merry i can't remember which one has the stone but i've pinched the hand with the stone and put that on um i can't remember if i did a weapon change i think i've added the weapon this is bad now i've seen that long ago and i can't remember what's cut off and what isn't now the weapon might be standard uh but again i've changed the head so i think it's merry's head could be pippins um and i've put a, a hood up on there as well partly to cover um the the marks from cutting the old head off but also 
to kind of make it look different and um and green stuff a hood on there looks quite cool i think um it definitely definitely does just looks like a generic hero hobbit now it doesn't look like it's it's sam with a different weapon it does look like something else um he's probably my favorite out of the group but i had loads of fun doing it um oh, i think i've added some bits from a militia oh, late guard militia captain sprue so there's a fish hanging from his belt and there's some fish on the floor from from those little extras come on that sprue so just little bits it's fun to raid your bits box and find things to make it characterful um so i'm gonna have a lot of fun painting those when i've got time to um and uh and maybe that's another reason why i don't want to kind of go on a long play a long league or something where none of them exist at the end of it playing short campaigns where you can kind of reset and use the models you spend a lot of time making unique is another benefit from from sort of approaching it the way we are um but yeah i think um i mean i think we've we've covered most of our thoughts on on how we're going to approach the game we're not saying that's the right way there's a lot of us talking about narrative it sounds like we're saying narrative is better than match play and we're not it's just it's just uh, we all for us yeah exactly that's the key thing for us the way we'd like to approach battle companies and the way it calls out to us and actually makes us want to play it and and be passionate about it is to do it in in this way rather than doing it the, the kind of the league way or the or the 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 campaigns such is definitely doing little narrative campaigns is going to be the way to do it for us um we're not saying that that's the way you should do it but it just screams this that it just the game's calling out for that for me um so um yeah i think um well I, i've finished rabbiting on which is which is rare um have you guys got anything you want to add before we uh no i think i think we've more than covered it i think the rest of it's uh that's our money's where our mouth is and get gaming and get building stuff yes yeah definitely definitely right then we will take a little break and then when we come back it will be the first heroic death match see you on the other side Hello and welcome to the first heroic deathmatch. Um, so, we, if you've listened to the last show, you, we, we've already discussed a little bit about what this is going to be, but we'll, we'll cover it here for those of you who may be listening to this for the first time. Um, we decided to add a little fun segment to, to the shows, nice, nice little short thing, probably in about 10 minutes at the end of each show, where we um, discuss two profiles and uh, and heroic profiles this is rather than warrior profiles um we're going to pick them in terms of a sort of narrative way so there'll be a famous fight from a, from the book or the films and we'll we'll try and match them up so that they're fairly even but we're going to go with the narrative more than the than the the actual profile as a match so sometimes they might be a little bit skewed um we'll discuss the profiles and then we're going to roll the, the the actual fight out um and you get to hear dice being rolled. Obviously, you can't see it. Dan and I can. We've got little cameras set up to play. Um, but we're going to um, have a little bit of fun. We thought it was a fun way of exploring the, the profiles a little bit more. Um, we're going to do this uh, sort of at the end of each show um, and uh, see how it goes from there. So today, um, Dan, what, what iconic matchup did we uh, decide to go with this time? Well, we decided to go for The Hobbit. Uh, chronological, why not? Um, we decided to go for the iconic fight between Legolas and Bog because not only do they do it once, they do it twice. <laughs> so, um, on paper, that is not a very fair match. Uh, the ease for which uh, Bog dis- is dispatched by Legolas is uh, slightly misleading because um, looking at the two profiles, 
it's not that simple. Um, I am going to be rolling for Legolas, uh, Prince of Mirkwood. So just a quick run through of his stats. He is a hero of valor. Uh, we're going to be ignore anything to do with movement or shooting, um, any army um, special rules or bonuses. Two models are going to be in combat. They're going to be on foot because not everyone has access to a mount. And uh, we're going to discount anything that would prevent them potentially from fighting, etc., uh, like terror, because the combat will be joined later. So yeah. he is fight six. Uh, he is strength four. Uh, defense five, which is paper thin. Only has two attacks, so it doesn't make him a combat uh, sort of frontliner like you see of the, the Dwarlins, etc., of the world. Only two wounds, so he's not as resilient as some. We get a discount courage, it's not really relevant. He has three might. Two will and three fate. He has heroic strike, and for the purposes of this fight, we have given him Orkrist because he does have it in both those instances in the movie. And to be fair, otherwise he, he would just get swatted. He yeah, it's, it's, his, it's his chance, I think, um, and it's a very, so, very big chance as well. If you uh, if you yeah. win the duel, um, there's your big chance of. of Splatting bulk is um, is by making sure that you get the multiple wounds there. So um, the, yeah. Orchrist, um, just for those who, who don't know, are normally carried um, by Thorin. So it's in Thorin's profile. Um, it is an elven-made hand-and-a-half sword. And it has, relevant to this, Orc Bane, which means that for every successful strike that gets made against anyone with the Orc keyword, are you Bolg, I get D3 wounds. Nice. So that's... If it goes right, yeah, you can cut him down in one go. No problem. It just relies on, uh, as we're going to see in a second, winning that fight yeah absolutely we, we we've we had a dry run of this already and um that was the key wasn't it winning the fight in the first place poor 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 leggy had a little bit of a tough time of it even with that so so um so yeah bulk he's um he's also a hero of valor but he as we all you know i think we've already alluded to a little bit he's a little bit more powerful um than than leggy's at 60 points more um than leggy with leggy having all christing already so even with that upgrade he's still 60 points more um he has um fight seven so that's one pip more than leggy's strength five again that's higher than leggy and his defense seven so he's going to be quite hard to for for, for leggy to kill i think leggy needs to to, to wound on a six, six normally and it will be a five if he's double handing um he's uh three attacks so one more than leggy and three wounds which also one more than leggy now he's um he does only have one fate versus um legolas is three so that's uh, if if you manage to get Orgris off, so to speak, um, wound twice, and then then give me sort of four, you know, five or so, or five or six wounds in the one go, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, but um, that'll be without without Orgris, as we've already mentioned, that's going to be tough for him. Um, he, he is ancient enemies elves as well, so he's re-rolling ones to wound. Um, we have mentioned he's burly, um, so he'll be using two-handed pretty much all the time well he will be doing it all the time there's no reason not to which means he's going to be wounding legolas on threes um so this is completely different there so it should be if i win the duel um it could do a lot of damage and quite quickly um so you're relying on your fate and, and, and me not wounding well but um shall we shall we fire into it shall we uh let's yeah. roll some dice and have some fun before we do anything else i am going to strike and i'm going to fight single-handed um I'm going to strike as well. 
Um, so we both use a mite there. Let's see what we get up to. You're adding, oh, you're two. adding two. I was helping. Adding three. You're so sure up to ten to my eight. You're well. Right. right. To the dual roll. Oh, I've got a six. So uh, well, I also have a six, but it's not enough. No. So this is this is the danger. So right. Let's see what I can how I can hurt you. So needing threes, um, and a. I'm gonna. I've got two already. I'm gonna use another mite and make that three wounds on you. Uh, I got two dice in my hands, so I'm gonna use two and re-roll. So they're both failed. He's dead anyway. So he's literally just walked in and hit him. Oh, <laughs> Macy's turned him inside out. Um, always the danger, and and to people listening to this thinking, well, what was the point in that? It, it's fun. We're doing it for fun. Um, then we, I imagine that there'll be some times when we say this is going to be a 10-minute segment and it just goes on and on and on with two people slogging it out, not able to kill each other. Um, you know, We're going to pick it, like we said, for, for mainly for narrative or something that you um, something you listeners want to see. Maybe it's a kind of a match-up that you think will be really hard to pick, so really closely matched and make an interesting combat. Um, so let us know if you, if you have a particular match-up you want to see. But it's for fun, yes. and it's for us to discuss uh, the profiles a little bit and talk a little bit about what they do. And hopefully, as we're learning um, things, some of you listeners will, will learn a little bit about some of the profiles as well. They'll learn that um, what Orcrus does. If you didn't know that beforehand, yeah. you'll you know that now, sort of thing. So. Well, bane weapons in general. Uh, yes. We've just also proved yeah, in uh, strategy battle. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. This is true. So, but that's it. You know, a nice little short segment. Uh, we're going to go for a break now and we'll come back to close the show down. And you've made it to the end of another show. So show 11. We're uh, absolutely smashing them out at the moment. Um, it feels like that. It doesn't feel like it was any time at all since we started doing this. And um, we've already, I suppose, we've recorded 12 with the pilot show as well. So I'm really enjoying it still. Hope you guys are as months. well. Oh God, has it been that long? Has it been that well, long? Uh, yeah, yeah, less than six months. Wow, wow. Okay, so, but going well enjoying it very much enjoying it so many more, more to come so if you're enjoying it too then that's fantastic so here as usual to close out the show and things do a few shout outs and a few announcements um including the um the Kreben of competition winner um for the people that don't listen to the end of the show um if you are that winner you may not win if you haven't heard it but we'll see how it goes um Dan, what would you like to anything you'd like to say at the end of the show any shout-outs uh, you have before i babble just on? the usual um the usual anyone who's uh, contributing to hobby obviously anyone who's contributing to the groups online both ours and into the general uh, middle earth groups just putting up content sharing their hobby progress generally contributing positivity into the, the internet which god knows there's enough misery out there <laughs> so it's nice to see some um nicely painted stuff obviously you've got the usual suspects uh, andrew's putting out some great vlogs um dan slob and the, the guys are doing extra stuff as well and just anyone who's generally doing some really cool stuff podcasts youtube whatever it's all good at the moment. At the moment, everyone needs it. So, more power to you, and thank you very much. Yeah, I echo that definitely. There's a lot of good content out at the moment. A lot of people doing some very positive things. I've really enjoyed catching up with the. I mentioned this 
earlier in the show as well. We are recording this on a second, on a separate day to the first half of the show. Spoil the illusion there. Um, so forgive me if it feels like I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I will echo that really enjoyed the stream that um, that Steve from Top Table Gaming and well and GBHL and Damien have been doing for the Battle Games of Middle Earth. They're doing their kind of follow up stream to Lockie's big one, um, and I've they're big long shows, but I really enjoyed watching those and hoping it's just kind of good paint along kind of stuff and um hopefully that the next one i might even be able to catch live i think the wife's got something planned for the evening it doesn't include me so i might uh might get the excuse to sit and do some of my own hobby and uh and actually join in live so fingers crossed but um um while we're talking about top table gaming then so since we started recording the show the other day it's been confirmed that i'm going to be a guest on one of their streams so um steve's looks like he's starting a new series um on a monday um called speak friend it's a live stream on top table gaming and the first one i believe is at 9 p.m that's um that's um, british summertime on monday the 27th it will be um and i'm a guest along with harry parkhill from Entmoot. so he's got um two of uh two of the uk uh, podcasts uh, represented there so i know no idea what we're going to talk about i'm sure it'll be a relaxed chat while we hobby or whatever um steve will be very much be in charge of that but um if you'd like to see my face even if it's through dodgy webcam um as well as hear me um then please tune in um there is a caveat that of course this show not might not be edited and out before <laughs> this so if you listen to this after mm. monday the 27th and i apologize but hopefully i've got this edited and, and out and those of you who listen to the show early early doors will have had forewarning um so the next thing um the Kreben competition i promised that i would do the draw the draw would end on the 21st i actually did it today so people had a couple of extra days to enter um and i remember there are multiple ways to to get your name in the hat so to speak um anyone that liked the um the podcast page on any of our social media so liked or followed so all the people have liked the facebook page all the people that follow us on instagram and on twitter anyone who was in the group was added to it and that anyone who had liked anyone who had shared the uh the post for the show as well um and which meant that you could have multiple chances so if you followed us and in on twitter and instagram and liked our page and were in the facebook group and had shared it you'd have multiple chances now i was thinking about how to do this i thought i was going to have to go through and put names in a big spreadsheet then i realized i was just being being really stupid about it um all i did was um your, your names all appear in order in in these set of groups and i put them in order and just used a random number generator so the starting from number one was the facebook group and then the followers on um, instagram and then the followers on twitter um sorry the facebook page and then after that the facebook group and the followers on instagram and the followers on twitter and then the likes so i generated the number and then counted through based on the order that i put each of those pools if that makes sense does that sound right to you dan does that sound fair Have I not well uh, you're increasing your chances because you're going to appear in sections one two three, yes five if you do and so that, that was the plan all along as well. I just, I, I wonder, I was thinking about whether I was going to have to kind of go through and try to match up names or kind of, I was just overthinking it completely. The, the, the lists are already there in chronological follow or, or join order, pretty much. Um, and as long as I set an order to choose them from. So I used a random number generator and it produced the number 237, um, which meant that the, um, 
it was taken from the very first group so it was taken from the facebook um likes uh, of the page rather than the group um and that person who won was a lewis drayton um i believe lewis is also in the group as well as like the page so hopefully he's someone that still listens to us and still follows us and, and hears this show uh, can get in touch and then i will arrange to get the Kreben sent out to you um i haven't gone snooping around on your facebook yet i say lewis it could be louis it's spelled the french way so depending on your pronunciation uh, i don't know where you are i haven't i haven't uh, clicked on your facebook page and had a, had a had a nose around when you appear on like on a page it gives you a limited stuff i'd have to i'd have to type you in and search you if you if you don't get in contact within a month or so i'll uh, i will try and find you a messaged you but rather than stalking you i'll uh, wait for you to hear this um but that's that really so well done to lewis or louis and thank you for um liking our page and being in the group fantastic um and hope you like your crab and when you get them and uh, hopefully that the uh, i'm able to send them um at the moment postage is a little bit tricky but uh I will do so as soon as I'm safely able to within whatever guidelines we have in the country at the time. Um, but other than that, before you go, please remember to um, you know, head over to our social media. Please do like our page and join the group and get involved. Um, also get involved with us on Instagram at OOTFP podcast and at Twitter at OOTFP. If you'd like to email us directly, you can do it at OOTFP podcast at gmail.com. Please engage with us. Let us let us know what you like about the show, anything you'd like us to discuss, any any topic ideas. Um, I know there's a couple of people who said they'd like to pop on the show. I've got quite a good list at the moment. I need to actually chat with Dan and Sam and, and come up with a plan to get some of these some of these people on. And if you have an idea of a matchup you'd like to see in the heroic death match on the show, get in touch and let us know as well. Um, it'd be really really good because we're gonna we're gonna run out of ideas at some point, and um, someone can come up with something that we probably wouldn't have. So, thank you again and uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye. Bye.